Sensibly Speaking podcast with your host, Chris Shelton. Hey, everybody. As you can see, we are jumping right into part two of my interview with Katherine Olson, who is a former Sea Org member uh, as of about a year ago yeah, or almost so. Almost exactly a year ago. Yeah, yeah. you took off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were it's like, It's going to be a year, a year that I left on June 11th. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, we are coming up on yeah, that. That's right. Okay, good. So uh, so we are getting uh, a fresh perspective, you could say, on um, what life is like in the Church of Scientology and in the C organization, which is that group that you signed the billion-year contract for. Now, we did a part one on this and posted it last week, and we went for almost three hours. We were really, you know, when you tell yeah. somebody's full story— there's a lot to tell, right? And, and in all fairness, when I was interviewed myself and I sat down and told my entire story beginning to end, you know, it was 12 hours of videos. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, when I really went into detail, right? So so it's understandable that these things take a little bit of time. I um, I wanted to address a couple things from part one just to, just to kind of throw out there that, you know, the sort of casual conversational tone of our first part uh, was by design. I, I purposefully was not interrupting Catherine as often as I maybe used to when I was interviewing people because I wanted to kind of have it be more of a free flow thing, but I understand. See, I also did that because I thought that my audience was already super familiar with all the terminology and language and concepts of Scientology because I've covered it so many times over the years in so many different formats. But I, that's my bad. I need to recognize that I got new viewers coming all the time and it's and it's on us to explain what we're talking about. Yeah. So we do need to do that. And and unfortunately, Scientology as a topic or subject is an incredibly language intensive. There's a there's a there's a thing called loaded language. And it's one of the control mechanisms or or characteristics of a thought reform or a high control culty kind of situation is they mess with the language. They redefine words. They redefine terms. They come up with new ones. There's a shitload of acronyms and, yeah. and slanguage. Yeah. and Because a cult, let's all remember, is a culture. That's where it comes from. Yeah. And cultures are defined by their mannerisms, language, customs, dress, right? That's, that's what makes a culture. It's a bunch of people who, you know, this is how we all get along. And this is how we understand each other. And so Scientology is its own little bubble world. And there's a ton of language. And one of the challenges in leaving Scientology is actually re getting used to not using that language. But sometimes in the course of talking about Scientology and what we experienced in it, we have to use the language. There's just no other way around it. Especially if you're talking to someone who is in for exactly. a long time. Exactly. There's so, only one way to explain something. Well, there's probably more than one way to explain something, but the easiest yeah. way to explain it is to use the terms and exactly. Whatever, yeah. And when you're referring to things like Stadev, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Right? Statistical evolution. You're like, what's an evolution? Exactly. Exactly. Right. And of course, it's a military term. Hubbard borrowed it from the Navy, yeah. but it's a it's a it's a progression of events that lead to a specific end result, right? In terms of how we used it. 
And it, and you know, it's that of it was, it was every Thursday, every week, it was, you know, getting all the statistics in from all over the world because that yeah. was part of your job for a good long yeah. time, right? So we talk about stuff like that. Kind of no other way to get around that. We got to have to <laughs> name it what it is, right? But it's not on you to just figure all this stuff out. We will try to do better to define these things as we're going um, without, you know, doing it while at the same time doing our best to not try to make this, uh, you know, uh, an um, audiobook index, right? right? <laughs> or, or glossary or something, right? We're, we're trying to tell yeah. a story here. Uh, so that all being said, uh, we, will, we will try to show more care in that. And otherwise, I'm going to say that this is her story told by her. I will ask questions to clarify or whatever, but um, but I'm not trying to dig up necessarily here at this go round every single little bit, because as you might notice, Catherine's local and we can always have her <laughs> That's back. <right. laughs> so, you know, telling a story is not necessarily the be all end all. Uh, there are lots of things that we can uh, do as for, in terms of future content to focus in on certain aspects of this as well. And we and, and we have the freedom to do that. So yeah. that all being said, I just kind of wanted to intro with all of that to address some of the yeah, some exactly. of the comments. But uh, welcome back Thank to you. the show. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and also, I really need to say that um, it needs to be acknowledged that taking off after 26 years... Yeah, well, it's twenty, almost twenty-seven in the Sea Org. Wow! Yeah. Somebody actually corrected me on that okay. when they heard my video. It's like, <laughs> wait a second, no, it was twenty-seven years, and you were in Scientology for twenty-nine years because I started I started Scientology in nineteen ninety-two, and then I joined the Sea Org in um, April nineteen ninety-four. So it was actually right. almost twenty-seven. So I was almost to my, I was actually past my twenty-seven year anniversary. Damn. When I left. Damn. Wow. Because uh, I was, I was five. I was eight on staff, seventeen in the Sea Org, and but uh, but if I had to time it, it would go back to when I was four. But but really, you, you yeah. were in lo way longer than I was in terms of your Sea Org experience, yeah. Yeah. right? And also, the one of the other key differences between us is the fact that you didn't necessarily grow up with it. Yeah. But. When you got in, you got in. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was in. <laughs> yeah, you, you dived all the yeah. way in. And yeah. even when, and, and, and it kind of surprised me, I didn't realize that your mom had, you know, left halfway through and was yeah. trying to actively get you oh, out. Oh, yeah, she was, she was trying a lot. I found out a lot more once I left. I'll bet. Like, what she was doing and stuff. All right, so we need to, uh, we're going to pick it back up with where we left off last time. And we were, you had described... Um, what we have come to know through Tony Ortega's reporting and through other things we've also been hearing over the last couple of years, yeah. this chase wave, this like basically massive credit card fraud that was nationwide yeah. uh, here in the United States. And the fact that, and I've, and I've got other sources, and so does Tony, of course, in terms of, you know, breaking all this down and what it's meant for Scientology kind of internationally. And we've heard some very interesting things. Oh, yeah, it was, it was you know. definitely international. It was international. It was definitely international because okay. I wondered about that yeah, aspect of it. Because when they sent different projects out, finance projects out, they went 
all over the place. All over. Yeah. Okay. They went to every every single org, every single CLO, every everywhere. Excuse me. I wondered about that because we had talked about the fact that um, Los Angeles Church of Scientology, the Los Angeles org, uh, is uh, the model org, a continental org, yeah. the org that is supposed to be the place that other orgs emulate. Yeah. Right. And orgs being the, the, the Scientology moniker for an organization because they don't call them churches. They are technically churches, but they don't call them that. They call them sometimes orgs. due to the public to yeah. like very new public or yeah. when they're doing some PR thing or whatever, exactly. they'll talk about it as a church. But otherwise, no, it's exactly. It's always so. and Scientologists. Don't talk oh, no. about going down to the church. Scientologists never say the church. <laughs> yeah. No. They always talk about Unless the Unless they're trying to defend it. Exactly. If they're trying to defend it, then it's like my church, my religion, my, uh, yeah. Exactly. That's that's the defense. Is that? That's right. Okay. That's right. So so that's kind of telling in itself. But um, this organization is supposed to be this model. And so staff who work for Scientology all over the U.S. and internationally, yeah. I guess, have come to Los Angeles over the last, we could say, eight, nine years. There have been various programs and uh, activities that have that have called staff there yeah. to get trained up or apprenticed, is, was the big word they were using, uh, on how to run an org, how to run a church. And this is the city-level churches. This is Denver. This is Milano's, New York. This is Los Angeles. It's not the Sea Org bases, the big blue buildings and all that. That's that Sea Org. Here we're talking about the city-level churches, and Los Angeles represents the you know ultimate in what those are supposed to look like. Well, until they engage in massive credit card yeah. fraud, right? Which is what we've uncovered, and um, and there have been a number of people who have, uh, in, including you coming out and talking about this in detail in such detail because yeah, i kind of little... saw it from the inside but it was right. very very inside because if you if you i was thinking about this the other day if you talk about like scientology being a bubble world and then you go into the further bubble which is the seorg and then you go into the further bubble which is management yep. so you're like a bubble within like five bubbles exactly at least three <laughs> no very much yeah. so very much yeah. so and this speaks to the um you know sort of the information control the sort of oh, siloed kind of thing that goes on in these in these groups. And believe me, folks, it's not just Scientology that operates this way. You are going to find, if you dig into the, the details of the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, the Moonies, the, you know, any of these kind of infamous cultic groups that have been around for years and years, you're going to find all kinds of nefarious and, and criminal kinds of activity going on that are kept you know, uh, under wraps that are kept under, under, you know, because it's criminal, yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. the more people who know, the worse things get. Right. And this unfortunately was a criminal activity that just was, was propagating all over the place in the world of Scientology fairly recently. Mm -hmm. And this is history repeating itself with Scientology. This is far from the first time that there's been gross financial irregularities as they call them. Uh, we call them crimes. They call right. them financial irregularities. <laughs> Language, <Yeah>. right? Phrasing. <laughs> but it's all about that. So uh, we were going into the details about that. You had laid out how um, people were getting, uh, there were false loan applications or yeah. fraudulent um, uh, applications or efforts. 
There were also, I've been emailed and told uh, verbally by a couple other folks that there was all kinds of shenanigans being pulled here. Not only was Chase as a company being defrauded by Scientology with false applications and apparently Navy Credit and a few other places, but they were also arranging where Scientologists would cover other Scientologists. Right. Yeah, that was a big thing. Right? And yeah, this was, was called bridging. Thing. Yeah. That's right. uh, this was the latest term for yeah. it. There used to be other terms for it. But this idea of covering for a person like, okay, I, I put in for $30,000 worth of credit. I'm waiting for the applications to be approved. I've already been approved for 10 or 20 or whatever. So it's absolutely positively going to go through. And the salesperson wants the money now. Right. So I got an idea. Let's get Joe to front you the money. And when the money comes in you on your new Joe credit back, line, right? you'll pay him back. Right. Yeah. And then the money doesn't come in. Right. But and then you know. an another thing they were doing is they were they were um, regging money from public, like massive amounts of money from public, <clears throat> just as like sort of a, a a donation to the org. It wasn't under, and I got this from from someone from a former missionary, right? Yeah, tell me. So what she said was they were regging public. Um, to pay the org, but it wasn't IAS, it wasn't first specific service, it wasn't it wasn't IDOR fund. They were just regging money and then they would take it and they'd kind of have that in, in like a pot or like a like however they did it. I don't know what account or what they put it under. They somehow put it under some something in the finance system, right? I yeah. don't remember. I think it was like, like an special advanced income. Payment. Oh, special income. Special income. That's there what we go. it was. It was special income. Right. So then and then what they would do is they would use that um to um put staff onto various services so that they could count the hours of the VSD or whatever from those services instead of getting public onto more services. And and she told me this because she was one of the she was a missionary in uh one of the orgs in, in Australia. Okay. <clears throat> and and she was it was like a it was like a protracted project mission whatever so she was there for a really long time so then it was like oh do you want to go in session and this is this is how it was set up and she found out later she didn't know it was being done that way it was just like oh do you want to go in session and and then they're using that to, to count the hours <laughs> yeah. see here's count here's the hours or delivery or whatever right and let me explain very quickly why that would be important or why that would matter uh, like why does it have to be that the staff can't go in session until somebody's paying money to some blank check, basically. Like, right. say, like, okay, well, here's this money, and we're just going to put it in this special pot. Is because the statistics, the, the the measurement of the success of a Scientology organization is its statistics, and it keeps hundreds of them. Every single Scientology organization. Uh, this is how demand is created and pressure is put on the staff. Is those statistics numerically every week need to be going up. You need to be producing more this week than you were last week. All the statistics that count and matter in a Scientology organization are public-facing statistics. They are stats that represent delivery to the public, i.e. they are paid services. If, a, you know, the Scientology is not a charity. So when people come in for services, they pay for them. These are donations. Yeah. Well, the staff sign contracts of voluntary servitude to the organization, whether it's a billion-year contract 
or it's a two and a half or a five year contract. These are the contracts that they sign. And by signing that, they agree that they will receive services for free, no charge. They, they, they're not going to be charged for them because they're working for Scientology. That's the exchange. Is they, that's what's supposed to happen. But you don't get any statistics out of that. So the staff can go in session with, an, with a trained auditor or go into the classroom and do classwork, but it doesn't count on any of the statistics because it's not paid for. So how do you solve this problem when there's no public coming in and nobody's paying for anything? You cannibalize the staff. That's right. That's right. And now this new wrinkle, let's get some public. Because what would happen classically is the staff would pay out of their own pocket. You know, they got a husband or a wife or a trust fund or however they're making money because they're not making it from the church. And they pony up and they'll pay for their own services. And this, of course, violates the entire point of the contract. But forget that. We want your money, right? So it's all about that money. And when that money comes in... Now that staff member can be counted on the same statistical measures that the paying yeah, public are counted it's a paid on. Paid service instead exactly. of exactly, yeah. and that's um, that's how you get those statistics up without having any public in yeah. your building. And the and and let's remember, let's harken back for just a moment, just because I love throwing L. L. Ron Hubbard into the middle of all this. Let's harken back to the reason for orgs. Do you remember? Oh, I can quote it if you uh-huh. want to. Uh, what is it? It's it's the only reason orgs, orgs exist is to sell and del- deliver materials and service to the public and get in public to sell and deliver too. That's right. The object is totally free beans. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That part. Then we yeah. memorized this. How, how did yeah. I know she was going to know that? Because <laughs> we, it. Yeah. we would chant it, right? Yeah. Over yeah. and over and over again. The only reason orgs exist is to get in public. And yet, you know, when the stats are going up and the money's coming in, who cares? Right, because at the end of the day, this is the proof positive of what I'm always going on about. Uh, Scientology is a money-making scam. It's all about the money, yeah. you know. And this is proof positive. In what Catholic context could you imagine a Catholic bishop or priest paying out of his trust right? funds or paying out, of, you know, borrowing money, yeah. maxing out credit cards to pay the church? Right? Under what circumstances would you see? You know, bishops <laughs> get sitting down with congregants yeah. and going, "We need the money, man." You know, yeah. Now it's just not about know. about paying for services; it's about paying for the IES, ideal fundraising. Yes, exactly. It's just money, 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 yeah. and any excuse. And and all the literature, all the promo pieces, all the things that come out of Scientology these days, as we see on Mike Rinder's blog, on Tony's blog. All of it is all about money. Yeah. You know, it's either about how to get you to make more money or how to get you to give us more money, you know? All right. So that all being said, (laughs) just wanted to kind of set that context here for this, because this is not like any other church. It's not like any other business. It's it's the Church of Scientology. It's definitely its own damn thing. Mm -hmm. And this rapaciousness, this, this, this sort of vulture culture. Uh, was the was the term Mike came up with that I love. Vulture culture uh, is very much alive and well in Scientology to this day, yeah. and that's and you're you know you're you're testifying to that. So please continue. Good. So that was the whole Chase Wave financial. Okay, and that that was going on. There was different aspects of that going on for months. There was there was um, like I said, and this they, was up until 2019 that this kind of 
Well, this started, no, well, it started in 2019, right at the beginning of 2019. It was like Mm -hmm. February 2019 when that started. And it just Mm -hmm. went, it sort of went for months as far as I could tell, because they were constantly, they were trying to get like more people in finance, more people sent out on projects, more people, just a whole thing. And and by this, you mean in February 2019 is when the cleanup operation started? Yeah. Well, that's when, that's when I heard that everything had blown up. Okay. Like, okay, because it had been going on for years. Yeah, but there was there prior. was like some big blow up, and I don't know if that started in PAC or it may have started. I think in one of the works it started in actually, and I mentioned this last week was Cincinnati, right? Um, because that was a big deal. The eating Cincinnati genie was was brought to the ILO no. in LA. Um, for sex checking, actually, the entire EC was brought to ILO. Okay, good. For and sex since checking, we're, they were since there we're for dropping months. terms here, let me, yeah. let me oh, interject yeah, yeah. for <laughs> just a second. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, what she's basically saying is that the entire command structure or the senior executives of the Cincinnati Church of Scientology were removed and brought to Los Angeles where there is the international liaison office, ILO. That's middle management, upper management. That's basically where... Scientology management is happening these days because we, as we talked about last week and and as I've covered before the the up 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 Scientology has been dismantled yeah, by gone. Scientology it's, not it's just not even there anymore that whole video I made describing the entire structure of Scientology management that really only exists on paper these days um, that's not really how it's structured and as I went over in that video Miscavige cut the knees out from under that thing years and years and years ago yeah Excuse me. So when th- when situations blow up like this, though, somebody has to deal with it. The people who deal with it are the are the people who are left in the in that middle management area, who are basically charged with running Scientology internationally now, uh, at Miscavige's direction or RTC's direction yeah. or or whatever directions they get from Mucky Mucks. So <laughs> here, right, this this big blow up happened. Now, we know or have heard that Miscavige maybe saw this in Los Angeles, but we also have word from you and from others that perhaps this started in Cincinnati. Yeah, with an I think inspection. that was one of the places it started, just, just due to the fact that that was, that was those executives from the org were brought right. there and they were there for months. Like I had, I was still the deputy chief steward, which meant I was running the kitchen, the galley, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they were working for me for months. Wow. So not Jeannie. Jeannie was like her own thing. Mm-hmm. And she actually, it was kind of weird because she got treated like kind of good, like she was a guest, but yet she was being sex checked. And it was, it was all very like odd. I'll bet. I'll so, bet. So, and then she ended up, she ended up leaving. She got, her and her son left and got routed out. And like, they couldn't mm-hmm. even be, I think that they couldn't even be in Cincinnati anymore. Like they couldn't even be in the org anymore that would make sense to me yeah uh, given my treatment <laughs> of, of i mean just yeah. little old me trying to make facebook friends in twin cities and i was getting called yeah. to la for justice so it makes sense to me that if they took her out of cincinnati in terms of being a senior executive there yeah they would just want her disappear they wouldn't want her hanging around and people going Jenny, what happened? What's exactly. up? Oh my God! Exactly, right? and I think Awkward. and I think the story given to the public was that um, her husband had a medical situation, which he did have. Yeah, he got so cancer. She, yeah, so she had to go. Her and her son had to go and take take care of him, and that's why they left. Right. Nice cover story. Yeah. Exactly. So, 
Interesting. Was, <laughs> now, just to, and just for those of you who have absolutely no idea who we're talking about, because I've never really talked much about Jeannie Bogvat, Jeannie, uh, whatever her last Sonnenfeld. name. Sonnenfeld. Sonnenfeld, yeah. yes. Uh, she was, she's a Sea Org veteran of decades. I mean, going back to the 70s. Uh, her and her husband, David, and they were Sea Org veterans. They were, uh, I think, when I got in the Sea Org in 95, they were, I think, still in or just leaving Los Angeles. And they were working at the, um, they had been working at Big Blue in various positions. He, uh, Jeannie had been the executive director of the Los Angeles Org, in fact, for a yeah. while. David was a famous, uh, infamous uh, salesperson, Reg, at, yeah. at AO. And they had been real Scientology Sea Org powerhouses for a number of years. These were names that people knew. Then they had, then they got pregnant. Jeannie got pregnant. With Connor. Right? Yeah. And he became the HES. Right. And he's one of the executives that came and got completely busted. That's right. Yeah. And he, he used to send me, he sent, <laughs> he sent me Christmas cards afterwards. So when I was in, when I ended up in Columbus, I randomly got a Christmas really? card from him. Really? Because went to the HGB and then they sent it to me. So I got a Christmas oh, wow. card from Connor. Wow. Because he worked for me for months. There you go. Yeah. So... So Jeannie, so my supposition here, my thinking from what you just said, right? It, knowing you know, she gets called to LA, yeah. sec checked, busted, removed, is that she has been around for so long, has seen so much. Yeah. And she's so I, well known, like everybody knows her and there's so many public that know her and everything. Exactly. So. That you have a PR problem. Yeah. If you can appreciate this, right? <laughs> from the from the Scientology's perspective, yeah, you declare people who do bad things or people who are speaking out or people who are no longer with the church. But what do you do with somebody who's actually willing to cooperate with the church but has done things that are like, yeah, no, we're not going to continue being on this job because we right. can't trust you anymore. I mean, Jeannie was years. It wasn't just the chase wave. Years. Yeah of nonsense right that she gotten up to so you have to kind of play nice with that person a little bit and use what willingness and loyalty they have and not destroy it or blow it up in the process of of removing them from their position and quite honestly with genie she was probably relieved i don't know i have no yeah, idea I, I, I really never had two words with her yeah. but um so i don't know she if actually she was... took me in session in like 1995 oh wow yeah oh that's funny yeah. When That's I was funny. first, when I first joined the Sea Org, interesting. It was like beginning of, or like end of '94 or something. She took me in session because she was, she was, uh, she was um, sort of under senior HCO at the time because she was being sent to a class five org and she was a right. class nine auditor and I needed to go in session for something and she. They used yeah. her for that. Yeah, yeah, got it. Until she went down to Cincinnati and yeah. took over the place. Right. Interesting stuff, right? Well, 1995, 96, that means she was in Cincinnati for decades. Oh, and there's a CR command team now in yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah. 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 There, there was a whole, uh, I think it was like 20 people. Went, no, no, not Cincinnati. Cincinnati um, got four people. They just got like an AC and then got like a few networks and but stuff. But wasn't there a whole bunch of people that went <laughs> to clean up the finance stuff too? Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't like 20 people. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I was misheard probably, that. I think a... I think a mission went. I'm, I don't know exactly who went, but I, it wasn't that many people. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, reconciling all the reports I get in my <laughs> head about this stuff. Cool. So, um, so we do know that she's no longer there, and the CEO yeah. is sort of taking the place over. That's right. Yeah, because of that. And Cincinnati's not the only place that's happened. That's right. 
That's right. So we're gonna we're gonna proceed in that direction. So exactly. Uh, so we so we know about this criminality. We know that it was uncovered. We know Scientology went to great lengths to cover it up, fix it, make it go away, get rid of the people who were doing it. Yeah. Um, beef up what they call their finance network of of Sea Org members who are supposed to oversee the bank accounts and the cash flows and where things are going. Yeah. These are called flag banking officers and deputy flag banking officers for marketing and things like that. And finance uh, police was the old term for yeah, it back in the 80s. The whole, yeah. I don't know what they call it now, but they, uh, but it finance. I mean, there's finance inspectors, there but that's go. not, that's not like in the org. That's like Seorg. Right. You have like Seorg and like CLO or you have ILO, you have finance inspectors, stuff right. like that. So where do we pick back up on your story here? Okay, so I was still in the galley through all this, and I didn't change anything, Okay, what I was doing. But but in that position, you were able to see a lot of busted people come oh, yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> because the galley happens to be a place where they put people who yeah, are in plus trouble. Plus, everybody has to eat. And depending on <laughs> when you eat, where you eat, who you eat with, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. Yep. It's yeah. very, very easy to see. So, yeah, so I was doing that. So <clears throat> part of that was that they had pulled, I said that they pulled like every single missionary, right? Yeah. They weren't sending out, they weren't sending out any missions for a little while. Right. And, so, and by the way, the business of the Sea Org is missions. That's right. <laughs> I love yeah, pulling but, out but these it's quotes, not, But you know? it's not supposed to be missions that stay in the orgs for months and months and months. And anyway... No, it's not. Oh this, I mean, there, there is. So, anyway, we yeah, won't even go there. But dumb. there's it, it just, just everywhere you turn. Anyone who's been can, in the Sea Org will understand what we mean. Like, oh, yeah. you're going on a two week mission. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Ha. That's funny. Tell me another joke. Exactly. You come back like six months later. That's right. Or you get posted there. <laughs> exactly. But the um, but having no missions out, missions are projects. They're Sea Org members going out to a remote location to kick ass, take names, deal with something, and come back. That's the idea of a yeah. mission, right? You go out, you get something done, and you come back. And there's a whole thing to it. It's a big deal in the Sea Org yeah. to do that. And, and, the, and the missions that were being done at this time were mostly... To go out and recruit for the orgs that were about to open. Like you'd have the renovations going on. Renovations are almost done or they're rolling. You better man up the org. So nobody was doing that for months. So then you had orgs like Kansas City and Columbus. And their renovations were completely done. The org was sitting there ready to open. Everything was ready. Like you could just walk in and open the org, right? Yeah. Of course, you can't open it if you don't have the staff. Right. So, and there's no missions out for months doing this, right? And meanwhile, right. the renovations are continuing because the renovations are being done by outside companies and, you know. Yeah, they're paid for. They're on a schedule, etc. Right. Yeah. And the landlord office is still doing their thing and still doing that, that whole thing, right? Right. So. The landlord office, by the way, real quick, is a Sea Org outfit that is at upper management that coordinates and deals with all the contractors, all the money coming in to deal with the renovations of these new church buildings. And they deal with the planning and the coordination and the logistics of all of that. That's that unit. It's called the landlord office. So they were still doing their thing. So they finished um, Kansas City and Columbus. 
And those two orgs were sitting there for months, unable to be opened. And it turned into, well, it was a big flap, was a big thing for a while, but it, turned, it, it finally got to the point where it's like, no, you need to open these orgs. I'm sure David Miscavige was like, hello, hello, you need to open the orgs. What are you right. guys going to do? So somebody came up with the idea. I don't know if he came up with this or if someone else came up with this and was like, this is what we're going to do. Yep. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to send the org members mm-hmm. to be staff in the orgs. Now, and, this was after Los Angeles Org had right, been converted to a right, Sea Org Org. So the precedent was kind of set. Yeah, it was. But this was this was like a whole different thing because those two orgs did not turn into Sea Org Orgs. Like, they were still Class 5. Like, mm-hmm. an LA is still Class 5, and it's meant to stay mm-hmm. with Sea Org members. These two orgs are not meant to have Sea Org members for, like, the rest of eternity. Got it. Um, although... Once you get there, you're like, you're like, yeah, right. We're gonna be here for for six months. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It's like it's kind of right. Like where, like if you think you are gonna somehow get staff, uh, you, what are you gonna do? You're gonna take all the public and you're gonna put them on staff, and then right. you don't have any public left because not enough people are coming in. There's like a f- trickle of new people coming in. So then, That's what do right. you do? Well, actually, give us a little heads up because you actually went there. Yeah. How many active public? We're there in Columbus. Oh, in Columbus, uh, less than 100. Right. Yeah. Twin Cities was 119. Yeah. I mean, I have the list, right? So, oh, yeah. I'm sure. So, this is, and that was after I was running around doing recoveries. For yeah. And, and it was, and it was, and this then, and that number I gave you was after there was a whole, you know, all the serial members were there. Yep. Contacting people, getting more people in, doing more than any of the class five people would do because That's right. it was just, you know, we were full time and we didn't have all the concerns that class five staff had of, you know, they have another job, they have kids, they have this and that, and they have a life. And then they're trying to be on staff, right. which is very hard to do. I did it for a little while when I was in Portland and that was, that was interesting. Yep. So, <clears throat> so it started with, with, um, with, um, Kansas city. They got about 50 people. It was like, no, it was like 40. It was between like 40 and 50 people. And they took them from um, PAC and PAC and ILO, basically, between PAC and ILO. They just pulled people and put them into training for a little bit and then sent them out, right? Yeah. And that was done really fast. That was done within like a couple weeks or something of it like starting to be a thing. Then everybody was gone. So then after that, and Kansas City was in a little, little bit better shape. Than Columbus was. They had more class five staff already. Mm-hmm. So, like, do you remember about how many? Uh, take? I think probably uh, between like forty or fifty, because they ended up with probably about a hundred staff or something really? like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were in a little bit better shape. Um, so the Sea Org did go into Kansas City, but they were bolstering a scene that was yeah, already had yeah, some exactly. people there. Exactly. So okay. I think it was. Did about they take 40 over people. the org? run the command structure of it when they came in yeah definitely like like the like the ed was a org ed and right and i think i think the idea was that the 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 current executives were put like under them to apprentice and then they were supposed to be sent for training later or something like that okay yeah okay because it would be a weird situation to have seaorg show up in a class five city level church and then have a 
civilian <laughs> executive director, yeah. you know, a, just a regular staff member ordering them around. Oh, that, wait, that, that, that wouldn't I'll, fly. Let me, let me tell you about, I'll wait until I tell you about Columbus. Okay. okay. So, so then Columbus had like probably less than 10 staff or something. So right, Columbus so was podunk. a major, major, oh my God, so many people weren't needed for Columbus. Mm-hmm. And, um, so here I am working in the galley and, and I get told, I basically get told like, it was like a Friday. Yeah, it was a Friday morning or Thursday morning or something. No, it was a Friday morning. I get told with a few other people, we get pulled in this like conference room with the COCMO. She's like, um, you guys are going to Columbus. And I was, and I was one of the people that was told, I was like, I'm going to Columbus. <laughs> Excuse me. Are you sure? Right. Cause you're I mean, a food service. Yeah. And I'd been on that post for 12 years right. and I was supposed Jesus. to, <laughs> I was supposed to leave within like three days. And I'm like, I don't have a replacement. I don't have like what? Right. So then um, there was like two people that were given to replace me and they're gone now, but whatever. I mean, they didn't last. Ja- I mean, remember Jamie Royce? I remember the name. He was, he was actually my replacement. He okay. was one of the missionaries. He got busted from being a missionary. Ah. And so he was running around in that status and i was like okay you're gonna replace her so she can go to columbus got it so they were sort of doing a little bit of a big presto change yeah with the people coming in right. who were all ethics particles or yeah. justice babies or whatever and okay now we're gonna use them to replace yeah. out you fresh good ethical people <laughs> who can go do the job and get it done yeah. properly yeah, and exactly. i'm only using these sort of like goofy descriptions because this is kind of how they think about it in that world. Yeah. So, okay. So they're, they're trading you out. Yeah. So now just a, just a question real yeah. fast. Cause I, I just want to kind of highlight what I suspect uh, is the, is what's going on here. You've been, uh, you've been working in the galley. You have, uh, this is not just going in every day and washing dishes and, oh, no. and putting food on a plate and giving it to people. You are over food ordering production yeah. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of moving parts. Yeah, the logistics are ridiculous because all to... the all the food got made at pack mm-hmm. and had to get transported three times a day mm-hmm. for 900 people mm-hmm. to the HGB, and that's that's it's just the logistics on that is ridiculous. And keeping somebody, mm-hmm. you know, having a driver, having a van, having all the you know, there's so many parts to it where you have to. It's it's just ridiculous. I mean, right. people, people ha- wouldn't believe what we actually did every day to make sure that there food for the crew on time every day three times a day that's one that's why i wanted to highlight it because it's 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 one of these things where you get called into a room where a person who doesn't understand your job doesn't even bother to try to understand your job or what the things that are involved in it even though this is food service that's right this person's Food is going to be directly affected by oh, moving she, you. Oh, she would be. She was directly affected right. because I was the one servicing her every day and right. every other executive in that place. Right. So I was like, okay, okay, uh, cool. I mean, All right. This is what I you don't want know what to say. Okay. Right. And I had like two hours to like write up my post and two hours and like I you know went in and out doing a hat turnover for a few days to Jane. Anyway, it was, it was very. Right. Hat turnovers is Scientology language for turning your job over yeah, to somebody turn, else. Yeah, exactly. Your job is like a hat. That's what they call it. In so then in the middle of this, um, there was all this, there was this question of, am I okay to go out or not? Mm-hmm. Because of my mom from mm-hmm. earlier. And 
It was like, is she okay? Is she not okay? And the person who could give okay was in Kansas City at the time. And at first it was like, oh yeah, she's okay. And then it was like, no, actually she's not okay. Actually she's okay. And this went on for like four days. Meanwhile, I was like, okay, go on course, study these courses that you have to get through really fast, you know, get your uniform, get you like, I was getting ready to go, but then it was like, you're going, you're not going, you're going, you're not going for like a few days. Right. So then, so that was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So then Monday, Monday, I finally got the official, okay, you can go. And then it was like, okay, go pack. You're getting on a plane tonight at like 9 PM. And I was told this, I was told at 5 PM. And I hadn't finished turning over my job. I was like, oh my God. So I went and packed in like two hours. And anyway, there's this whole thing. I went and packed. And then I came back to say goodbye to a bunch of people because I was like, oh my God, I'm leaving. Would you say that your experience here that you're describing really quickly is par for the course for personnel emergencies or flats? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it, not yeah. unusual. It's not it, like what happened to you in those four days is so unique and special. It, it's and different. not unusual. I mean, this this so many Sea Org members going out to do what we did is unusual. Like that is never. Yeah, it's except for L.A. It's never been done before. Yeah. And even with L.A., there was more of a turnover. And plus, you're not going as far. So it's like if you have a post turnover, you can finish your post turnover. People went into training for several weeks, a month or whatever. And then they opened up the whole thing. This was done within like a week right. or something. It was like very, very fast because it was like, okay, the org's going to open no matter what on this date and you better have the staff. Yep. So there wasn't yep. any choice. You know what's so interesting about this in retrospect for me as I sit here right now is that I have famously mentioned a few times, um, famously, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how famous it is. I'm sorry about that. But I have mentioned a few times. I don't know. You're pretty uh, famous. That, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Infamous. That I was up for five straight days once uh, for a personnel evolution. Yeah. It was Asho. It was when Asho got renovated. Oh, wow. And this is back in like 96 yeah. or whatever, right? right? It was a long way back in the day. And um, we were going to do exactly what you're describing was done with Kansas city with LA org was, yeah. you know, is we were going to take, we were going through at in pack at the, at the, at the continental level, we were given the ILO crew list. <laughs> we oh, were wow, given really? yeah, for a little while. Saying, Who do you want? We had all the people yeah. in pack to choose from. And we were to propose people from ILO. Yeah. This is a senior echelon. This is like, <laughs> you know, know somebody <laughs> at the FBI yeah. LA office suggesting who should get moved around up at the FBI headquarters. Like it's, it's all backwards. Yeah. But this was how crazy this was that we had to get Asho, this American St. Hill organization manned up. And we had a week because yeah. it had been renovated and it was going to be open. And I only comment on this because it's an earlier version of what of this whole craziness that, that has been going on more recently. But you know what happened after five days is the whole thing got canceled. We were all told, go to bed because uh, after five days of torture, vitamin shots and personnel files and desks and desks of paperwork and all this crap we were going through, um, they were like, yeah, it was a little bit, we were all having a little bit, like somehow the word came down that it was sort of like we were all having a kind of uh, really uh, uh, an incredible moment of stupidity thinking that we this is how we would go about manning up one mm -hmm. of our orgs would be to just like rip off all these people from everywhere. And 
this is in the 90s that this yeah. happened and gets canceled as this big collect and we all breathed a big collective sigh of relief because we all thought it was absolutely insane yeah it violated every single policy letter hubbard ever wrote about how to deal with personnel and so the whole thing got canceled and it's interesting and funny to me that to literally see that's the de-evolution yeah. of yeah. this that now <clears throat> that's par for the course now yeah. that's just routine Back in the 90s, it was so insane of an idea that we all came to our collective senses and went, what? That was crazy. Good thing we didn't do that. I mean, they you did know. the same thing to like start manning up the finance network. It was like people were taken from like my yep. junior was taken, no replacement. It was like, oh, actually, you don't need this person. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> do you know what it takes to feed 900 people three times a day? Right. You have any idea? Right. Yeah. And they don't. No. They don't. And they don't. And they don't want to know because if they do, then they have to reconsider ripping your junior off, yeah. right? And so as long as they kind of don't know. As long as know, they have food in front of them, they're, yeah. Exactly. If the food's not there, maybe they'll notice, but probably not. That's right. That's they'll right. just go to the canteen and go buy it's just <laughs> Exactly. Well, we went to the canteen a lot anyway, but right. yeah. So interesting. Just kind of interesting to me how things devolved Yeah, is really what I'm kind of saying here is, is things really have gotten so stupidly dumb in that totally, world totally so yeah rip off or is is the order of the day yeah you know and it used to be at least you'd have to try to have some semblance of a replacement but it, you know with with this numbers that's impossible there's yeah. no way you can just take 50 people and oh, no expect way. that you've got 50 no random bodies just sitting around waiting to fill those jobs but the funny thing is yeah. and especially uh it's especially in management where you're not directly dealing with public, you can actually have people have a lot of people that are extraneous. And you're like, what are these people doing? Especially when you're doing, when you, when you're like on a, on a physical post, like I was, I would look around, I'd be like, there's gotta be five people out of these 900 people that are not, they're not needed on what they're doing that can come and like, you know, handle my dairy delivery. So I don't break my back. Right. And somehow there wasn't. And I'm like, I just don't believe it. Right. I don't believe it. Mm. Anyway. Well, priorities change. <laughs> right. At some point, they'll get around to a Galvey man up. But... <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, when it, yeah they're probably, they probably did it after I left, actually. Right. Because right. it was Nobody's such a flat. And after COVID, because the dishwasher was like 65 years old, and I'm sure he was, he was like taken out of there. Exactly. Anyway. <clears throat> well, please continue. So, okay, so, so that you get was sent October. Off. Yeah, that was end of October. 2019. Um, 2019. Okay. When I went. Yeah, that's when I went. And basically everybody, everybody that went, went within like a couple week period. Okay. All right. So see, this is interesting because my timing from what I said a few weeks ago was off in that I thought it was around August or so that, that the busts started happening but it was actually significantly earlier oh yeah that was early that was like february thing. march right explosion and then it went for like a few months various things happening and projects going out people going into finance and different things happening and then oh actually they took for um kansas city and also for columbus they actually took um a lot of these busted missionaires and were like okay go to kansas city and make good go be staff in kansas city go be staff in columbus right like the the senior INR international ended up in in Columbus as a reg. Wow. And he actually wow. no no actually he wasn't no 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 I'm sorry he was an auditor. 
because okay. he was 025. He was an auditor, buddy, and I, I, I say a reg because he was wrenching most of the money for the org. Right. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. So basically, it would be like taking your inspector general in the government, you know, like a high level ethics justice person and making him a salesperson, yeah. you know, at a at a city level operation. That's right. Right. Go make good. Yeah. Go go and go prove was, your worth. That was to a us. lot of the of the staff actually. Okay. That ended up that kind of a thing. And then there's just other random people like I was sort of random. I wasn't like in trouble or anything. It was just like, "Oh, okay, we'll send you out." Go have go have some fun in a class five work. I'm like, okay, cool. And wow. and I actually I actually was was pretty excited to go out at the time because I'd been in LA for so long. I hated LA. I was so sick of LA. I'm just like, I want to do something different. Plus, I just I always I was starting to get burnt out from working in the galley. I had back problems. I probably should have <clears throat> several times over the year, I probably should have actually ended up in the ER for back issues. Oh wow. Neck issues. That bad. Yeah. Like once, I think it was 2011. Yeah, it was like 2011. I was in bed for four days. I could not get out of bed for four days. And this is kind of the ironic thing is that I lived with the medical liaison officer. She was my roommate. She was my, one of my roommates. And so I was in bed for four days and she didn't really do anything about it. And my senior got so upset that she called a chiropractor and got the chiropractor to come to the birthing, to my room to give me an adjustment. Cause I was in such pain and I can hardly move. Wow. And then when the men, when the MLO came, came home that night, she was yelling at me. She was like, you, you have no idea how expensive that is. And blah, blah, blah. Anyway, little tiny Italian girl. Um, what was her name? Stefania. Stefania, oh, I forget her last name, Star Terry or something. Yeah, she was yeah. the MLO on the RPF. Yeah. Oh, really? That I was on. Yeah. Yeah. So it was so. Funny. That's funny to me. She didn't do anything. She didn't do anything wow. to help me, and she had a cow on me. Of course she did. Because <laughs> it cost so much money to have a chiropractor come in, and meanwhile I couldn't get out of bed. It was, right. I literally is, couldn't get out of now bed. Now you're aware of the fact now that this is an organization that is sitting on a couple billion dollars oh, yeah. in reserves. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I knew there was money. I knew there was money. Mm. I I knew there was money, but I tell you, in 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 the ILO, money was always it was. They were always redoing the financial planning. They were always cutting things back. I knew the medical float got cut back like severely, severely, severely cut back. Um, There was not. I mean, the amount of times I paid for like my own chiropractic. Really, pay for my own chiropractic. I would be like. Can I go to the chiropractor? Oh, sorry, there's no money. Okay, I'm going anyway. I'll pay it myself. I wow. did that many times because I was in such pain I couldn't work. Right. And then it was like, you know, don't dramatize and don't this and that. And yeah. Yeah. So your handling was don't dramatize. Yeah, or get assists, right. which didn't, which actually never did anything for me. I think they did maybe once or twice. I got a little bit of relief, but otherwise, no. Spoiler. That was not. They never did anything <laughs> yeah. for anybody. Right. Assists are useless. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. So when I finally got, actually right before I went to Columbus, I was supposed to finally get a, an actual treatment on my back because I was in pain all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy I worked with had two hernias. My senior had two hernias from lifting heavy stuff that should not be lifted by one person over and over and over every single day of his life. So that was a little bit more urgent to get handled. So he was, so he went for surgery 
and did that like a month before I left and before I knew I was going anywhere. And it was like, I was supposed to do my handling after that. And then I went to Columbus instead. So that never happened. <laughs> yeah, that would never happen. Right. That never happened. Par for the course, unfortunately. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, so life was not exactly just a bed of roses for you no, working in the no, galley, no. but at least it was a life that was predictable to a degree. Yeah, it you. was. It was to a degree predictable, and it was. It was to a large de- degree very controllable. Like I, I was in control of things, and I didn't have a lot of people coming in and giving me stupid orders and whatever. Right. And I enjoyed what I was doing. Like I, I don't mind working as long as I'm not, you know work to the point of being in pain, which I was. Um, But yeah, it it was, it was not like being in management where you just get driven crazy practically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you weren't going to two or three meetings a day. Yeah. All of that. (laughs) Exactly. 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 Okay. Fair enough. But now you're being sent to Columbus where things are about to change. Yeah. Okay. So October 2019. Yeah. So I go to Columbus and, um, what, what did they put you on? Well, first they had, okay. They had, they did like orientation and everything for a couple of days. Um, and then, um, cause they were still working out who was going to be on what post and back and forth on that and whatever. Okay. So, so then I think on like the second or third day that I was there, they, they put everybody on post like they, okay. They'd like read off the name and, you know, blah, blah is the PES, blah, blah is the whatever. So I went into Div 6, okay. Div 6A. And that's public facing new <laughs> yes, people, public getting facing, new people in. That's right. Okay. And I was the director of public promotion. Okay. Which was actually a lot of fun at the time. Like when it, when I first started, it was a lot of fun. I got into whatever. I'll get into it. But um, so I was on that and and then the org opened, I think... Within like uh, less than two weeks, the org opened. Of you arriving there, yeah. Okay, now in your in your arrival there, um, I, I guess you guys get uniformed with the staff uniforms yeah. and all yeah. that. You got fitted for that. Where were you staying? Um, they rented apartments in this. Um, it was actually like a five minute drive from the org. It was actually nice apartments okay not bad at all it was like it was like the nicest place i've ever lived in the seorg because they couldn't have they couldn't do this thing that they do in the in the in the seorg birthing of shoving like nine people in a room oh by the way so backing up one anecdote from uh, on uh, regarding birthing in um i don't know 2017 or something 2016 something like that so the entire the entire CMO was living in the Bronson building, which is the 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 birthing housing for the Sea Org members in CC Celebrity Center International. Yeah. So yeah. the CMO was living in there, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> within twelve hours, um, somebody said, I'm sure it was David Miscavige, said, "I want the CMO out of the Bronson, out mm. of that building. They need to get out right now." So overnight, literally overnight, um, the entirety of the CMO moved into the Anthony building. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I helped and on the that. And kind of yeah. sucks. Oh, yeah. It totally sucks. See, the Bronson building is right across the street from the building you guys could look up called Celebrity Center International. It's this beautiful uh, old hotel building that was renovated. And they and they have this building right across the way that's an old 
uh, apartment complex. But it's fully renovated, and, actually. And it's, yeah. and it's renovated. Yeah, it's that's right. Really nice, yeah. And um, and so that's why the CMO are there because it's a nice place to yeah. live. I think there's even a pool there. Or anyway, there, there's like that, it's yeah. a nice place, but yeah, so they're all out of there because yeah, so of some they, arbitrary order, right? And they get sent overnight. to a building that is probably one of the worst built buildings, at least when I left it was. Yeah, plus I don't know. there was it wasn't like there was rooms for fifty people, right? Like somebody had to work out where all these people were going to be shoved into, and my right. room actually got ended up it was a six person dorm, and I ended up with. 10 people right in there and the beds were literally like there was two beds that were together like this because there was no space wow <laughs> so that it was kind of nice to go from that to <laughs> get the hell <laughs> out of there Columbus yeah in an actual apartment and only live with three other people because legally like per the lease agreement and everything they could only have a certain they could only have four people yep her apartment which was great we loved it yeah. we had our little living room and kitchen and everything and then we only had to share a room with one person oh my god instead of nine right so were that, any were any married couples sent out yeah oh yeah definitely okay definitely. So i'm just curious but it was um most most of it was like the couple would be sent it wasn't just like one or Right. The other person, I think oh, there they was, weren't splitting up couples yeah. too much. Yeah, I think there was okay. one that was gonna be, and then she refused, and that was a whole anyway, whatever. That was a whole thing. Interesting. Um, yeah, okay. so then the org opened, um, beginning of November, um, and we basically got to work as class five staff and everybody had their posts and it was, it was kind of cool because everybody was starting at the same time in a new org and you had like total, it was like you know, everybody was sort of thrown together, but whoever did like the posting actually thought it through a little, thought it through pretty well. Mm. And, and, um, we're doing pretty good. We're doing all sorts of stuff. And then, um, now like, what is that? What kind of things were you doing on a like, regular basis? Like, Oh, what I was doing, Oh, what I was doing is I was doing, um, I don't know, you probably want to explain this a little bit better, but you know about the Nani campaigns, non-existent Oh, campaign. the promo campaigns. Yeah, yeah. So the mission, so there was a mission that was there that was putting all the staff there and they were doing, they were getting that campaign going and then it was given over to me to do. So to I up. was the media liaison, Person. newspaper, TV. I did all of that. Okay. Was um, there actually TV? Yeah. There was wow, TV you ads. got some TV spots. Yeah, we did some TV ads. Wow. There See, was actually they're... a TV station right across the street from the org. Oh. <laughs> and we worked with a guy who's totally like, he, he totally was was into it. And yeah, yeah. 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 Well, what, they, what happens is when a new ideal org opens, they're given a set amount of money or there's usually a fund of, okay, this is for your promotion to get the word out you've opened. You're like here, Scientology. dollars or something. Yeah, something like it's, that. A, it's, yeah. A, it's an amount. And, yeah. and you have some kind of market research done, supposedly. Supposedly, yeah. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah. It's a pretty big supposed because in Twin Cities, it was a joke. And, I'm, and I knew in Vegas, it was a bit of a joke too. So I know that the re market research is not really like pro-level stuff. Yeah. But you get a message. You get some kind of messaging or some kind of... Uh, imaging branding that you're supposed to use in this campaign to let people know you're there. We're open. We're here. We're Scientology. We're here to help. Whatever the message is yeah. for the local area, and you are the one. And you get a video. That. You get to put on TV. You get like a short TV ad that introduces the org and tells people to come in. You get radio spots, like pre 
pre-made radio spots. Yeah. You don't have to make them or anything. You just organize to get them. Um, and then I did um, internet. There's various internet ads that you do. You know, you go on YouTube and you get an ad or whatever. And they can, they can, these media places can target different areas. So it's like everyone, everyone within a five mile radius or a 10 mile radius, whatever demographics that you want, you tell them and you do it's the whole thing you do with them. Right. So I was working on that quite a bit. Um, and then we got into, Actually, after COVID, we got into book selling, so I'll get into that after. But okay. and generally speaking, just from from a, from experience here, this kind of targeted marketing and and ads and the TV spots and all of that is a is tends to be a bit of a one off. I mean, this is not what you have people staff in Scientology churches over the years learning about and specializing and having the resources to do. They don't get radio spots and TV spots and all that stuff. This is kind of a concentrated effort to do this, what's called a non-existence campaign. Yeah. And by the way, I had no training in marketing whatsoever. Right. No training. I'd never worked on these. I never worked on these lines before. It was fun. I liked it, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I was like working with media people at iHeartRadio and I was working with the TV station and different people like that. And I really was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do the best I can type thing. Exactly. And, and, and that's generally, to be honest, you're. Your general staff member at your general city level class five org, that's kind of how they're approaching things, yeah. you know. And so this campaign, these campaigns tend to, um, you know, kind of come and go, and then it's kind of over, and you know, maybe six months, uh, eight months, and then it's done. And then you're trying to like, well, now what? Now what do we do? And you and you kind of don't really know what you're doing. And so the thing kind of that's one of many of the reasons why, even at the city level. Um, these things tend to sputter out and yeah. not really go anywhere. But yeah. how how did it how did it go for you guys? It, I mean, it went good until until COVID. Right. <laughs> so that was Timing. so yeah. So the so the org opened um, beginning of November. We went um, through November through December, January, February. February things started to get a little bit weird. Like they had this uh, they have this thing every year um, where they have. Uh, uh, Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger does a does an event in Columbus. He does this every year. Oh, it's kind of cool. There's like tons of people. There's like all these bodybuilders and people that come in and stuff. It is actually pretty cool. So that got basically canceled. Like we were gonna do a whole thing at that and book selling and promo and everything, and and that basically got canceled. Um, he still did the event, but it was like very limited amount of people that could come in and it was that was when covid was just like becoming a thing right so this is like february march 2020 that was that was february that event was in february it was like end of february yeah um and before that i was doing um we were we would go to like um there was hockey games um all these different like sports activities and we would go and we would hand out promo to people that were coming to those you know, before and after we would hand out little flyers sure. and stuff to get people interested. And I think there was like, there how was many f- of you guys were going out doing this? I used to get like between like 10 and 15 staff to go out and do really? that. Yeah. I would, wow, so I it was would a go, real dedicated I, effort. Yeah. I would go around and recruit people to go and I would just, I would demand that. I'm like, do you want people in here? Okay. Give me some people to go out and do promo. So I was pretty like adamant about it. <laughs> And your st- and the and the statistics getting just to, to get get a quick look at that. 
um, that you were keeping track of on a weekly basis would have been about promo pieces handed out or yeah, given out. Yeah, it was like and... how much was being given out. Okay. And then I, w- I also started tracking like like as far as responses, like who would how many people would come in and whatever, which was like a very, very low amount compared to the promo we were handing out. And mm-hmm. and that's why I'm like, I don't know what surveys they did for this promo or whatever, but it wasn't really Right. It wasn't, it wasn't biting. Yeah, it wasn't really biting. Some of it was a little bit better. Some of it people would just reject and and the staff would actually be like, I'm not handing out this piece anymore because everybody rejects it. They would do that on some pieces. Oh, that's interesting. Be like, okay, fine. Let's not use that. We'll use something else. Interesting. What did you notice at all during this time? Any kickback or complaints or or remarks from public to you? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? People would Uh, scream at you. Really? People would like, yep. Some people were like not nasty about it. They'd just be like, no, thank you. And some people would be like, no fucking way. And be like, anyway. What did you think about that at that time? Well, I... I had like a few, I had a few thoughts about it. I mean, at first I was like, okay, well it's supposed to be like, okay, it shows that you're disseminating more. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it shows that you're, yeah, exactly. So I sort of had that viewpoint, but after a while I was just like, I hate doing this. I was like, I hate this. Interesting. I hated doing direct handouts of promo. I was just like, oh, I really hate this. So actually when, (laughs) when COVID hit and we didn't do that anymore, I was like, good. Cause I hate doing that. Did anybody try to talk to you about Scientology? No, I mean... Or drop any Leah-isms or anything like that on you or chant Xenu at you? Oh, yeah. There was some of that. And we were just was like, there? whatever. We would just walk away. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So was there any ever... And was there ever... Did anybody ever say anything to you or somebody that, you, you know, in your earshot that required any kind of handling? No, because it was, it was easy. Because you're just... Because you're just trying to give a piece of promo to somebody, if yeah. somebody starts getting weird or nasty or whatever, you just walk away. You're just like, okay, that's fine. I'm right. not interested. And besides, we were doing it like at sports games. So people were on their way into the stadium or they're on their way, way out to go home. So it was not like somebody would necessarily stop and have a whole conversation with you. Okay. It was like a very fast. Right. Very fast thing. Okay, cool. I just, I bring it up because it's, I am often asked and it's a good question. Well, what could I say? What should I do? You know, uh-huh. when I'm dealing with a, oh, here's a Scientologist in front of me in a social situation all of a sudden. Yeah. What do I do? What do I say? How do I deal with that? And I've always said, well, the one thing you definitely should not be doing is chanting Xenu at that. Yeah, right? or That's being not... nasty in any way. It just, right. it doesn't get you anywhere. The person, the person will just walk away. Right. It doesn't accomplish anything except to just upset somebody. I was like, even now i wouldn't go i wouldn't go and and like say nasty things to um, like what's the point right what's the point you're not going to get through to somebody that way that's that's not how anyone got through to me exactly except to make me be like oh i don't want to really do this anymore because i don't want to i don't want to deal with these jerks (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly well because people are curious about this and like i said it comes up often yeah i'm curious um and you don't necessarily have to have some pat answer to this i'm just curious did you know at that time in your frame of mind now you were a sea org member dressed as a class five staff member so a little bit more level of dedication and commitment than your regular staff member but being in that position 
being at the city level, interacting with the public the way that you were having the job you were having, you were pretty much in a kind of a class five kind of mindset. Could somebody have done something or said something to you at that time that would have, even after all the experiences you'd had, that would have made you do a double take or think twice or maybe, you know? Maybe if I was by myself. Yes. If I was with any other staff, no. Right. Because you don't know how dedicated, how you don't really know where those other, those other people are at and people kind of, you know, watch out for each other and whatever. So if you're with somebody, no, if you're not with anybody, it's, you're a little bit more approachable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, at that point I would have just walked away and not really been interested in being like, Oh, this is just some weirdo. And I would have been, no, I'm just, that's okay. I don't want to talk to you type thing. Right. So you're still pretty closed off on that. Yeah. Got it. But it really got me like it, it did get it, it did get me thinking thinking to the point of like why are people being so nasty? Right. Why That's are what people I so nasty? Right. Like what is the point? Like and and mm. and you know if you ask about it within the org, it's just like you'd be shown various references on like you know SP characteristics or whatever. Mm. But I was still just like oh, this doesn't this somehow doesn't make sense why people are so nasty. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the thing that drove me to the internet to start with, besides looking up people on skip tracing, was I was trying to figure out why we weren't sharing enough successes and wins online because uh -huh. all people had was all the bad news. Yeah. And I kept thinking, we need to flood them with the good news, which was the strategy back in the early 2000s yeah. with that whole FSM online thing and all of that, which failed so miserably. And, um, and I came to realize, of course, that the reason for that is because the successes are ridiculous and yeah. don't really mean much anyway. But, um, but I and I didn't have any clue what the what the truth actually yeah. was about it. So I thought, well, we're just not taking advantage of the internet to the yeah. level that we should be. Is kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, I had started looking at things online in while I was in LA. I started because and sort of the way it got started. Really. It was it was kind of it was kind of the org's fault actually <laughs> because what happened was okay so I had this whole thing with my mom yeah, which I yeah, described right. in the last interview right yeah so um and she put she put things about me online and different people said things about me online so I was kind of like eh, is there more stuff going online and and so I would check every once in a while with a non filtered internet because you could you know you could go on your way to the org on your CSP, you know, you get time Sunday every morning. day, Sunday yeah. morning, you go, you could, you know, people would stop at coffee shops and whatever. It was really wasn't a big thing and you could get non-filtered internet. So Did I you would have a go, laptop or no, no, no I just that? had an iPod. Oh yeah. An iPod. An iPod. Yeah. Okay. iPods are great. Yeah. iPods are great, by the way. They'll probably, they'll probably cancel all iPods for student <laughs> members after this interview. I'm really sorry guys, but yeah, you can use them as phones. You can, yeah, they're great. They're fabulous. Got it. So you don't have to have a laptop. You or don't have a, to have a laptop a or a yeah. phone. You just have an iPod and you're all right. set. So <clears throat> technology is wonderful, by the way. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I would, I, I just started checking things. Like I, I would just look up myself because I want to know: Is my mom saying anything else? That's that's that was my first thought. I was like, Is she saying anything else? And she actually did. Um, Mark Bunker did a whole thing about me in one of these these interviews or something and actually mark headley attended that which is funny mm. but he read a whole thing from my mom 
at one point and then that was online and nobody told me about that i just found it online myself and i was like thanks guys for telling me that she did this because nobody told me mm-hmm. and i knew that they knew because they'd i knew people were checking there's like somebody full-time in osa that checks internet stuff and he, he's like pissed off all the time by the way he's like in a really bad mood all the time the poor guy yeah he's like no yeah. poor guy he should just he should just fucking leave He's literally like he's he's messed up physically. He's just not a happy person. I know him personally. One guy. That is so I'm sure there's other people that do it too, but he's like the main guy right. that knows what's going down. How interesting. Yeah. I bet everybody out here has all kinds of questions for that guy. <laughs> Mostly around the topic of how the hell do you maintain belief exactly and it makes me wonder if he if he does because he's like he's really he's really not a happy person wow he's really just he's not really nasty but he's he seems to always be in a bad (laughs) and with that job i could see why i could see why right interesting that that is an interesting piece of inside baseball there so, okay, please continue. So you saw this about yourself, though. Yeah, so I would look up things. I just started looking up things about myself. And then and then when the Stanley website came out, yep. actually somebody from OSA told me to check out the website mm-hmm. because they had different things about people. And it's like, you know, if you want to handle black PR and whatever, check that out, right? And you could access that in the org. So I read a bunch of that and I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, okay, okay, fine. So then we have posited out here that that's exactly what those sites were created for, that the Leah site and the hate sites and all that are for Scientologists. They're not for the general public to read and go, oh, Leah is such a bad person. It's for Scientologists to read and go, oh, Leah is such a bad person. Right. That's what I think, too. Yeah. I really do think that. But it was interesting because after a couple months of that website starting up, um, they blocked it. In the org. You couldn't get it anymore. Interesting. And I was like, what oh. the fuck? I was like, what? I was mad. I was like, why can't I get this website anymore? And then around the same time, um, I realized I hadn't seen any Freedom Mags for a long time. Uh-huh. And I used to always look at the Freedom Mags. I'm like, these things are great. And so I asked the Freedom Mag editor, who's an OSA. Yeah. I was like, how come we don't see the Freedom Mags anymore? Are they, they're not being done or what? And he's like, oh, no, they're being done all the time. But they're for external public. And I'm like, what does that mean? Huh. External public. What is that? Why can't I see the Freedom Mag? And I was mad. I was like, wow. Okay. So then um, I would look up the Stan League stuff, you know, with non-filtered stuff and just see if there was anything new. And obviously, because there was like, you know, stuff on Mike Rinder, stuff on on all these Seorg, high-level Seorg executives who left and right. who are now, like, speaking up. They didn't want the general Seorg staff to see that. So, and, and I kind of puzzled that out for myself. And I was just like, why? Okay, if these people are so bad, wouldn't you want the rest of the Seorg to know why they're so bad? Mm-hmm. And like, instead of filling in their own information and just wondering about it or whatever, wouldn't you want to, wouldn't you want them to know this? And I'm just like, so they kind of filed away, you know, in, in the bullpen. <laughs> Interesting. So, Interesting. okay. So then I went to, yeah. So we left there off. Must so have been, there must have been some bad incidents. For yeah. them to change the policy on that. Because right. it went from open to closed, right? Yeah. So they must have had the intention, like we said, that this would be something for internal PR purposes to handle for people. Yeah. 
but then somehow that 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 backfired or it somebody saw it or maybe Dave Miscavige saw that anyone could access it and was like no I don't want the rest of the Sea Org to know about that oh, right no. something something like that mm-hmm. it could have been any number of things but somehow there was an incident that that, that backfired I'm yeah. sure that caused that yeah um which is interesting to me because I'll tell you one thing. I don't know if you... We've never talked about this, so I don't know if you have any knowledge about it. But are you aware of the Marty Freedom Mag? Oh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. that was a backfire, yeah. right? I mean, I read that when I was still in. and I don't know that I read it. I think I heard about it. How is it a backfire? It's the, it's the posse of lunatics issue. where they. Oh, I, ha- or, I actually okay. I didn't see that. It's all about... Mike Rinder, Marty Rathbun, um, yeah. and a bunch of Amy Scobie and other people, and they Tom rename Lebeau. them yeah. with these with these crude labels, and like 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 Amy Scobie is the seductress, you know, and this because she's so out two D, right? Wow. And uh, Tom Devock is you know this guy, and 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 Rathbun is like the beater, the abuser, the whatever, and and uh, and um, they position it all this way, and absolutely positively make the case that beatings were a routine activity at the international base when Marty and Mike were there and they 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 end up making it out that it's all Marty and Mike's fault because Miscavige of course never knew anything about any of this (laughs) right is what's in the mag but it confirms it doesn't deny it confirms over and over again how rife with out ethics and beatings things were in it management. Wow. You know, if you really read this thing yeah. and you really look at it and go, what the hell is this thing telling me? It's telling me that, that, that things are insane yeah. there and kind of confirms rather than denies all these claims that Miscavige is beaten on people and the whole and all of yeah. that stuff. Like you yeah. kind of, read between the lines and it's all very clear and i think that kind of had a backfire effect it sure as hell did on me and i yeah. read about a bunch of other scientologists and york members who read that magazine and were like what the fuck yeah right it was it was just this you know because it prior to me reading that and and even having gone through a full rpf with other int staff the view and the claims about int management and the gold base were it's heaven on earth. Yeah. It's heaven on earth. Right. It is it's, the it's most like, it's ideal. Like the ideal ideal place. That's right. right. Yeah. It was it was yeah. always positioned that way. Right. When you went up, you know, or you went up lines, you were going to heaven. Right. I mean, people even yeah. on the RPF wouldn't yeah, bitch I mean, about I wanted it, right? to go to I wanted to go to gold for years. Oh, me I too. was like, I want to go to gold. Yeah. That's cool. Absolutely. I want to go be in city. You get, and, and it was and you have this idea at the lower levels that every single policy is fully integrated and yeah. figured out and it's all runs like clockwork and it's this beautiful, beautiful place. And everything couldn't be more on policy and in tech and wonderful. Yeah. And that's how it was always talked about. And you never heard anything bad about it at all. And it was only on the RPF when I would hear little tiny whispered snippets here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, about the cat fighting, you know, yeah. in the CMO or the this or the that, or Miss Gavage was on a tear one day. Or you'd hear these little, little things and be like, wait a minute, what? And then I read this Freedom Mag. Wow. You know, before I've seen all the exposés, before yeah. I've seen, I haven't seen the Truth Rundown. I haven't seen all that stuff. I just saw the internal publication 
And I was like, what the fuck? Wow. Right? And so that's that backfire effect I'm talking about, yeah. where you, you're putting out a piece to quell, you know, to quench the, you know, fire to put it out. Yeah. And instead you're throwing gas. And I think that's one of the yeah, things that, that they caught on with. Yeah, that was a similar thing with the, with the Stan League yes. website. There's right. just because there was there's just too many people and there's right. too many senior execs that that just left. They're Sounds gone. Right. Like I can look at pictures. I can. <clears throat> there was something recently on, um, I think, uh, Karen Delacroix. I can never, never say her last name. Yeah, I can never yeah. say her last name. <laughs> so she had something recently on her on her on uh, like the Outer Banks or something where somebody put these like old pictures of 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 Sea Org members, um, like different exec teams and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like looking at all these people and like, they're out, you know, he's out, he's out, he's out, she's out, she's out. Yeah. Like everybody's like so many people are gone. So many people left. Yep, exactly. And when you're in and you see things that remind you of that or communicate that backfire, right? right. That's that. No, we don't yeah. want that. Right. Yeah. So better to just keep you in the dark about what your own mother's doing. Right. Right. Then potentially expose you to, yeah. you know, doubts and reservations and confusions. And yeah, exactly. Restimulate all your evil purposes. Right. right? Especially so, that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were seeing this though. You were yeah, seeing so, this online. Yeah. I, I, I saw some of that online and that was when I was in LA and it's, it's sort of got, it sort of got me starting to think about things, but, but even more than that, I was just like, I just, started thinking to myself, you know, I'm just not happy. It just comes down to the fact I'm just not happy. I'm not enjoying myself. You know, I was for a while, then things would get bad and get okay again. But I was in physical pain. I was just like, I was just not happy. So then when I went to Columbus, I was like, okay, fresh start, new org, new staff, new place, new post. I'm not doing this like physical work that's like killing me anymore. So that's kind of nice, you know, and I liked it for a while I had, I had a little bit of, I'd like some back issues and whatever. And I was, how was the schedule in terms of sleep and stuff? Were you getting it was, eight hours? It was actually, yeah, the, the schedule was actually very good. It was, nice. it was actually very good because it was a service org and there wasn't like a lot to do after, right. you know, 10 o'clock or whatever. People you didn't, would you didn't get woken up at two thirty in the morning for some CMO no, meeting to no. do the to do the appetizers. People would generally go home. <laughs> I know it got a little bit bad towards towards the end when I left. Hmm. It got a little bit bad. Not not for a lot of the staff, but for like the execs would be up figuring things out, or they'd be woken up to do this or that, or there was people being sent to training and things like that being worked hmm. out. But that's but I'm getting way ahead of myself. Yeah, let's let's go ahead. Um. So okay. So that was. So we're still in like February, March yeah, of 2020. Okay, yeah, so, so I was talking coming. about like COVID is starting yeah. to come, which was a very, very weird time, by the way. So yes, yeah, so let's hear all about so, it. Yeah, here comes COVID. <laughs> here comes COVID. And at right. first it was like, it was like, you know, that uh, there started to be a decrease in public coming into the org. Okay. Um, Cause they're, they're getting sick or no, no, no. Because they were like, uh, no, we're not coming in. We're, they were like, staying home there people are starting to stay home and less people are coming in less new people were coming in you know we had to we we stopped handing out promo at one point because uh, people were just like why are you handing me something like (laughs) no yeah we we stopped doing that because social distancing and everything so and that was like end of february getting into march 
I remember the ED specifically being like, you know, uh, telling us, you know, the public can still come in. Uh, the virus isn't everywhere. It's just like a stop dramatizing type thing. You know, right. this is just, this is going to pass and whatever. Right. And then the, uh, and let's be clear for those of you who aren't totally familiar with this already, we're not going to go into a whole song and dance on this, but, but, but the short version is Scientologists don't believe in germs. Scientologists believe that you develop a, a situation where you are what's called PTS. You are at the, you know, you've connected with somebody who's a bad person and they're having a bad influence, negative yeah. influence on your life and on you. And they are getting you all introverted and insulting you or giving you a bad time or whatever. And this is the reason you get sick. This is the reason you have illness or accidents or injuries is because of a PTS right. condition. And this is the, this is the, the, this is the, uh, law in Scientology. This is not an optional kind of way of thinking. This is this, everybody in Scientology thinks this way because Hubbard is insistent upon it. So with this idea that there's this virus going around, Scientologists will tend to tell themselves, well, I'm not PTS, so I'm not going to get sick. Right. I don't have some SP, some suppressive in my life. I feel fine. So what's the problem? Everything's great. I'm going to be, I could walk through a room full of COVID patients and I'd be fine because I'm not PTS. This is, this is the level of delusion that they tell themselves because this is the indoctrination in Scientology on that point. So if you ever, so in setting the stage for this, this is the thing that you're having to overcome amongst many other mental right. barriers. But this is a real big one in Scientology. Yeah, this is, was a huge one. So then, um, so then mid-March or like right at the end of March, Shortly after the, uh, you know about this whole issue that 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 David Miscavige. Put well, why out, don't you right? tell us what happened? Okay, yeah. so there was there was an issue that he put out because the um, basically there's an event every year for Elrond Hubbard's birthday, and it takes place at, at Flag in Clearwater, and there's you know thousands of bunch of Scientologists come to that, and it's a big thing. And then it's telecast. Yeah, you know, to the yeah. world. Yeah. So at the last minute, um, that event didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So then he put out an issue talking about the whole COVID thing. And I don't even remember all the wording. I know it's online somewhere. You could it probably is. put a link to it if anybody wants yeah. to see it because it, it got online, which whoops, which I thought was very funny. Yep. Um, but what was your impression of it? What did it say? Um, my impression was that, okay, this, this is happening and it's a thing, um, but it's going to, it's going to pass. It's mm -hmm. going to, it's just another planetary bull bait uh, yeah dramatization whatever it's it's gonna pass right um and then shortly after that i think like a week or so or a couple weeks after that um was when we all got called in to a meeting and it was like okay so the org is closing temporarily no the org's gonna close i think it was supposed to be two weeks org's gonna close and for that two was weeks. within a week or two of, of this was, actually starting yeah that, that was, was a quick right decision. at the end of March. Okay. That was like, because it was March 13th event, didn't happen, issue out about a week and a half to two weeks later was when, okay, that's it. The, the org's close. closing. Everyone's going to the apartments. Um, you know, we're going to work on call-in and IES, you know, calling people, selling books via the phone. The, uh, it was like a whole thing, right? Right. See, it's very interesting because call-in 
is a term uh, yeah. in Scientology <laughs> for calling people to come in, to come into the building. Yeah. And we still call it call-in, even though that's really not what you're doing yeah. anymore, right? Yeah, it's very right. funny. Had the issues, the protocols yet arrived? No. Okay, we'll get to that. No, okay, the protocols so, didn't arrive yet. So you're closing the org. Now, yeah, so you're orgs closing- don't close. And I, I yeah. lost... Many, 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 many nights of sleep because of that. So what was your guys' – because my response would have been, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, we were like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) We're like, really? Okay. Okay, so you might have noticed a quick break there. We had a little costume change uh, as we go into part two of this part two podcast. Uh, in a in a completely new day and time here for us, but you guys are getting it all in one feed. So there you go. <laughs> and here we go. We left off talking about uh, you were out in Columbus. Yeah. And uh, one fine day in March of 2020, the world changed. That's right. As we all <laughs> right. know. And things changed for yeah. you in the world of Scientology. So let's just go ahead and pick it right back up from there. Okay, so what happened was we were told um, that the org was going to close temporarily. Actually, we were told, uh, I think, two weeks. Supposed to be two weeks that the org closed. Two weeks we're going to close. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks max. That must have been shocking news. It was was totally shocking. Yeah. Everybody was like, huh? Right, right. Uh, I mean... You guys have heard me go on at length about how the the measures we would take to keep the doors open of small, struggling, failing orgs through the years. So the principle was always, and it is a Hubbard datum, you don't close orgs, period. So COVID was uprooting, I mean, right from the beginning, it was uprooting Scientology. Yeah, yeah, because this was all the orgs. This wasn't just us. Right. Everybody, everybody closed. So, and we were... We were told everybody's going to go to the apartments, um, basically uh, sell extension courses, still work on um, regging income, IES, service sales, whatever, whatever we can do on the phone, book sales, whatever we can do, right? <clears throat> so we all went to the so we all went to the apartments. Wow! And at first, it was okay. Everyone's gonna. You know, muster, and you have your, your little groups, and this group is going to muster in this apartment, and then they have, and then we're all on a schedule, and we have production, and then we have study and whatever, cleaning and whatever, right? Right. So that's that went for like a day or two, and then it was like, no, actually, no, you're not supposed to go in other people's apartments. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Start putting two and two together <laughs> in this new situation. Yeah. Right. So no one's allowed to go in anyone else's apartment. Period. You can only associate with your roommates that right. you're in the apartment. And you're just four per apartment. Yeah, four people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people would still have little meetings outside and whatever, and socially distanced. But but as far as like everyone going in one apartment, no, that was a no no. Right. So it was very different from <laughs> being in the org around everybody <laughs> to being around just three people that you're roommates with. It was, right. it was interesting. So yeah, so we did that. So then everybody was on whatever they were on call in and whatever. Right. Um, and it it was actually very, it was very, um, extroverting because after a while people started going on walks because it's like, you're sitting around your apartment, you're going to go stir crazy. Right. You can't, you can't No, You can't. Some of us might understand what that felt like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so the, so the, the, the qual sec was like, yeah, take it. It's fine. 
take take a walk if you need to take a walk and so people were walking all over the place and i would i would go for like hours on walks it was awesome it was so great it was like the most outside time i've gotten in like a that long is so time. funny it was so great i loved it that is so funny so then um so i was working on um i was working on doing ads mm-hmm. and whatever i could on the internet right and so what i did was i got interested in the org's facebook page and which i couldn't access because i wasn't on facebook right so because you have right. to have a you facebook have- page to get to facebook right. so <laughs> so so you were, so you didn't have any social media presence of no. your own mm. and yet here's but your org has a facebook page yeah. and i was the dirt public promo and i could not access it okay yeah. who could access it the dsa and i believe the dirt pr i'm not exactly sure if she could or not i think she could later on but uh, okay but it was just the dsa got it just the only one all right so yeah. osa the Osa guys. Yeah. 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 We love yeah. them. Yeah. That was that was Facebook and Instagram because we were right, the connected thing too. Yeah. Okay. So you're so you're reaching towards social media now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because I was like, oh, I have this great idea. I can see what the what our Facebook page looks like. And then I can look at all these other orgs and I can see like how we can make ours better. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this is so cool. So I'm just gonna make a bogus Facebook account, right? This <laughs> is this is almost exactly the same kind of logic that got me on the internet as a Scientologist, as a Sea Org member, is how can I use this to increase or better the Scientology promotional scene or, yeah. or get ads or whatever out there? I was, you know, I was out there doing recoveries, but I was very frustrated about the fact that there was no good news about yeah. Scientology out there. Yeah. So I thought, you know, let's check it out. Yeah, and it never made any sense to me as the dirt public promotion i couldn't do anything with the org's facebook page i'm like that's like prime real estate for promotion you know what i mean I was exactly like, this is so dumb so then i made a bogus facebook account and and i started looking at like other orgs facebook accounts and i just started like poking around right and then after a few days i was like oh my god i could find i could find some old friends of mine Ding. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Little light bulbs going yeah. on. Yep. I'm like, yep. I'm, I'm here in the apartments, you know, I'm talking to people. Hey, I could find some old friends. Maybe I could sell some books. I was like, this was my thought, right? Mm-hmm. So then um, um, I sent out some friend requests of people I found, right? And somebody answered me who was a very good friend of mine in high school, which was almost 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, he answered and he definitely remembered me and I remembered him and we started talking and I mean, I started, I started just, just talking like, like normal. Like I didn't start like anything, you know, oh, this is all the bad stuff that's happening or anything like that. Right. I was just like, Hey, how's it going? And we just like, just socially catching yeah, just up. Started talking about our years. lives. Yeah. yeah. And so he was asking me questions and, and I was asking him questions and I was telling him, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm still in Scientology I'm I'm out here in Columbus actually. And, and he happened to be on the East coast. So we're around the same time. And so he just started, um, he started asking me more and more. And I was, I was sort of trying to like disseminate to him, you know, maybe sell him a book. And he's just like, no, I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm only interested in how it affects you. Right. Uh, I'm not really, right. no, it's not, no, that's okay. It's not, it's not my thing. Like he didn't like say anything bad about it or anything or mm-hmm. like totally reject it to upset me. But he was just like, no, no, I'm 
I'm just interested how it affects you. How does it affect you? Mm. Like, what do you like about it specifically? <laughs> so he was asking you a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. asking me a lot. So then. Um, Th- this is how you get people in these kind of situations to open up is you yeah. ask them questions. You don't tell them what to think. Right. <laughs> or you don't tell them what you read about it. Exactly. <laughs> or you don't say, oh, how about, how about Zenu? Right. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'm just, just putting it out there, and folks. He actually, I, yeah. I found out later, he actually hadn't, he didn't know hardly anything about it. He only knew right. that I was involved and he had seen a few documentals and a few things over the years on TV and whatever. And he's just like, oh, I'm not really, really interested. But then he would always think about me when he saw it. He's like, oh yeah, she's in it. Exactly. And that was the, the extent of what he knew about it. Right. Well, and, and so what we're really talking about here is he just decided to be a decent fellow. Yeah about it right yeah, and totally. just respect you and and be interested yeah, in you and totally oddly that opened you up and you guys yeah. <laughs> were actually talking as real human beings yeah, exactly. right. oddly <laughs> people respond weird? to that <laughs> yeah. yes it's very strange exactly yes anyway so. so then in the middle of this um about i don't know a week or two after i started talking to him i started having um I started having a really bad pain in my side. Actually, mm-hmm. no, it didn't start on my side. It started like right here. And my chest Up was like, chest. Yeah, yeah, my chest was getting really, really tight. And this happened like, this happened several times. I had like this attack. And so I got an assist and did different things. And I thought maybe I was dehydrated. And the third, I think it was the third time that it happened, but it was really, really bad. And I got really scared, actually, because it, it was, like, in my chest. Like, I was like, am I having a heart attack? I'm too young to have a heart attack. This is ridiculous. So, and I told the Qualsec, I'm like, I think I should go to the doctor. And she was like, oh, okay, well, let's see if we can handle it with the assist. Because it's not, because it's, it, it's not, it's not good if we have anyone sick. Right. They didn't want to report that anybody was sick. Even if it wasn't right. a COVID thing, they didn't want to report it. Right. Unless Not to they mention you have had to. Exactly. Plus, you're encouraged in this kind of behavior by bulletins Hubbard wrote called "Solve It with Scientology." Right. Right. Which actually actively encourages. No, don't go for the medical. Go for yeah. the Scientology. So. I mean, I freaked out in the middle of the assist, in the middle of one of the assists, um, and I started having a panic attack. And I made the I made the person stop the assist. I'm like, "Go get the call sack. I need to go to the doctor." She's like, "Okay, let's just." Let's see what we can do. The way out is the way through. All this like stuff that they tell you, right? Yeah. And then, I mean, it did dissipate after several hours. I think I got like, it was like three hours or something. I was Jesus. like in complete agony. And then um, finally, I think after like the third or fourth time this happened, um, I woke up super early in the morning and I was like throwing up and I called I call the call second. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I need to go to the doctor. She's like, okay, yeah, we're going to take you to the ER. Yeah. So then I went to the ER on Mother's Day, funny enough, anyway, it's random. Um, and they did a bunch of tests and they, and then they told me, um, so you have gallstones and you have actual blockage, you know, where something tries to go into your gallbladder and so it can process it and come out and it's actually like, it's blocked and that's what's creating the problem. So every time you eat, the body's trying to process something, it's like, oh, nope, can't do it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I wasn't allowed to eat anything since I arrived in the hospital. So I felt a lot better. <laughs> anyway, so then they're like, um, and we need to take it out because it's been proven by, uh, you know, statistics 
statistical wise, it's just going to keep creating problems. Like mm. we can handle whatever and, but it's just going to keep creating problems and you can live just fine without it. So I'm like, okay. Wow. Full organ removal. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. And that happened. Like I actually got the surgery like two days later. Um, and that was, that was, that was a pretty traumatic experience for me because I had never had any anesthesia. I'd never had any, any sort of operation, any, anything I've mm. never been under and never anything. Wow. Never anything. Nope. Not even, not, not a root canal, nope. nothing. Nothing. Wow. Absolutely nothing. This uh, my, my first, first time. time. Here you go. All right. <laughs> During COVID. Wow. No less. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Damn. I actually got a really good room in the hospital because they had to keep me away from the COVID patients. It's like <laughs> of course. Good timing. Yeah, right? Do you happen to know, just because I'm curious, do you happen to know how this got covered, how this got paid for? The, I mean, Scientology doesn't exactly have health insurance. Um, the day after the surgery, actually, somebody from the hospital called me and was like, um, do you have insurance? I was like, no, I don't think so. And then he helped me go through this, the whole thing with, I guess, Medicaid or whatever it is, Medi mm. Medicaid, Medicare, mm -hmm. whatever it is you get on when you have like no income. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure myself which yeah. one it is. I know I one's for old people was. and the other one's for low income yeah, or whatever. Yeah, or exactly. It, it somehow splits up that way. So. so he literally helped me get on that and got all my information and got me signed up for it. And I, I didn't have to pay anything. Got it. Um, I saw what the bill would have been. The bill would have been like $20,000 or something. Right. Ridiculous. Right. It's like, whoa, okay. Right. So, yeah. Money that Scientology as an organization absolutely has. Oh, yeah. But not for its staff members. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I mean, it was literally like, wasn't even part of the picture to go try to get that money from the org. Oh, no. No, not it at all. It was just not even in no. the cards. That wasn't even an option. No. So that's why I got curious about it all of a sudden. I was like, wait a minute. How do you... How do you cover this? Yeah. But this is exactly how we were covered on the low income route yeah. um, or no income route when we would go to a county, LA County Hospital. When I was on the RPF, I found out all about this. And Sea Org members who routinely would need anything would go there and they had a whole line grooved in. All you had to do was say, yeah, I'm from Scientology. And then, oh, okay, here you go. Yeah. You know, it was all just kind of set up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the Church of Scientology, of course, is perfectly able to pay. It just yeah. refuses to. So yeah. anyway, please continue. I mean, I did hear I did hear that there was health insurance for the org. Not really? when, when I was in ILO, I heard there was some sort of health insurance. It was a new thing that they started doing. I don't know the specifics, but I did hear about it because there was a whole thing with that they were doing with financial planning and they kept cutting back the MLO fund and then they're like everybody needs to be on the CSI health insurance or something. I don't even, huh. I don't know, because I never did anything major on it, so I don't have the specifics on that. How interesting. You know, this is the only hint I've ever heard of this. Really? It was very new. It was it was very new. It wasn't like, yeah, it was. Like, I, I can't help but wonder, and I'm only going to wonder out loud and we'll move on, but I can't help but wonder if this is yet another reaction or response to the incredibly negative PR the church oh, has be. when it comes yeah. to staff welfare. Yeah. I mean, I and others have gone, I mean, Leah, certainly, at length about how the staff are not taking care of yeah. the church, just dumps them on a corner, which has happened. Yeah. And so I wonder, I just can't help but wonder, but we, I would need a lot more information yeah. on this I, first. I don't have anything else other than just sort of hearing about it and being like, oh, oh okay, we're have health insurance now. And this was before I left LA. Interesting. So, and it didn't, it didn't extend to being in Columbus. 
So right, right, interesting. <laughs> but certainly, we certainly had nothing yeah. called healthcare or health insurance when I was there. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So uh, then, so you did get the hospital, you get the surgery. Yeah, I got the surgery, recovered from the well, went home to recover from the surgery, went back to the apartments. And I was, um, it actually didn't take that long to recover from the actual surgery, but I was so messed up on my sleep that I couldn't sleep properly for like several months. And I kept waking up. I would wake up at like one o'clock in the morning and couldn't sleep until like seven. Wow. And I ended up getting a migraine for like 80% of the time I had a migraine headache and I just could not get rid of it. And so I would try for the first couple of weeks, I would try to sleep in because I'd be awake all night and then all of a sudden I'd be able to sleep. So I'm like, oh God, I can sleep a little bit. So then I try to sleep in and I was allowed to do that for like maybe a week. And then, and then the Qualsec was like, no, you can't sleep in anymore. <laughs> of course not. Like, uh, finally came down on that. And she's like, no, you can't sleep in because it's not, it's not part of the schedule. That's right. You got to follow that schedule. Right. Yeah. yeah, especially when you're in the apartments, <laughs> not doing much of anything. <laughs> not doing a whole lot of anything. Yeah, but it's yes. very important that you wake up on time. Yes. So you can sit in your apartment and not do much of anything. Right. Yeah. Yes. A lot of very important. So, yeah, <laughs> so ridiculous. If there's one thing about the Sea Org, so I was so mad. That was that was another. That was actually another like sort of like breaking point for me at mm -hmm. that point. I was just like. Because I I I had already gone through so much um, physically on various posts, especially when I was in the galley, I went through like a lot of stuff, and you know paid for my own chiropractic half the time, and just tried to you know get things handled that were very not pleasant. Right. So and got told how there was no money or whatever. Or I was just dramatizing, or you just need to get assists or whatever. Or you need to eat better. Just all these things that you get told so they don't have to spend any money on that's you. That's right. And that's yeah. what and that is what happens is they will throw anything and everything against the wall. you know, any excuses. Yeah. Well, you're not sleeping in. Well, you're not Well, you're not Yeah, me, me, me. I mean, they just don't yeah. even care. It's just, well, I know what's wrong and it's this because it can't be that it's something yeah. really wrong. Yeah, because you know? and 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 even if you have an, an MLO that does care mm. about the staff and does want to like help people. She doesn't get enough money. So exactly. what is she supposed to do? Like, I remember specifically hearing how the MLO money got cut, like, so much. Like, mm -hmm. like really, really bad. And plus First she had, like, cancer patients that she was, you know what I mean? It was, right. yeah. No, I've, I've, I've actually, at the continental level, at the West U.S. level, I'd sat in those FP meetings from time yeah. to time. And it was routine. I mean, the head of the, of the financial planner would be like, well, they're going to get assist this week. Yeah. And that's it. Because we don't have the money, yeah. you know, cut it. Yeah. It was just routine. And it was all, it was also routine mm -hmm. that they're always redoing. I don't know if this was the, the, the case of the CLO, but we were, I was always hearing how the, the financial planning, number one, like the, the, the core financial planning, it was always being redone. Yep. It was always being redone and it was always being rejected and it was always being redone. Like right. for years it was being redone. Yeah. If, the, if there is one thing that is um, consistent about Scientology, it is the inconsistency and sort of mysterious ways of, of the finance lines, the yeah. way the money works. Yeah. Uh, nobody's ever really totally sure what's going on. And I am, I'm, I'm, 
absolutely a thousand percent positive that that is by design. You do not want transparency and openness when it comes to cash flows in a, in a money-making scam. <laughs> you just want people thinking there's never enough money. Yeah. And at every level of Scientology below the very top, that's how it is. The entire Sea Org and staff culture is all about scrounging and making do with never having enough. And all the money that does exist gets sent up the lines and it never comes back down. And that's been that way since the day I got out. I've been preaching that. Yeah. It's still that yeah. way. It's, it's still the case. Yeah. So, yeah, so I had that going on. So then, um, so then a couple weeks after that, after the whole surgery thing, yeah. um, so all the, uh, all this, pretty much all the staff had phones, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, because everybody, all you could do was call public. You couldn't. Right. See and you had to have cell yeah. phones. You didn't do yeah. it with landlines. Exactly. Yeah. No landlines in the apartments. <laughs> right. I guess they could have done that, but that would have been really weird. Yeah, um, set up a whole call center in the yeah. hotel. <laughs> yeah. And um, the phones were not on um, any sort of like org network. Like if you go to PAC or if you go to the HGB or if you go to Ant or Flag, um, their cell phones are set up on this network so that security or whoever monitors the phones right. can see anything you send, any text, any call, any anything. They can see your phone. So, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. That's the first I'm hearing about that. And that makes a lot of sense that they would set it up yeah. that way. Because you can't necessarily put a filter, which is what they would do with the laptops and everything, yeah. you know, on everybody's phone. But now yeah. they've now they've systematized it. So. Yeah, and it was set up on the Android because on the Android you can apparently make it so you can disable the internet and it's you can do this whole thing to put this tracking thing in the phone or whatever. Right. right. You can't do that in iPhones. So iPhones, you can have iPhones. So of course, when I got out, the first thing I did was buy an iPhone. <laughs> the next day, I was like, yeah. I'm getting a phone. I'm getting an iPhone. <laughs> Yep. Yep. I hear you on that. Totally. So interesting. But you guys out in Columbus were kind of on independent. I mean, you, these were you, you guys own these things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Most of them were owned by the staff. There was a few that were owned by the org. Like the org would pay for certain select like reg type people that made a lot of money. Right. They would get their phone paid for. But people that, that didn't make that much money or just needed it to just do whatever they were doing. Um, they pay for it themselves. Like I paid for my own phone. I paid for the plan, everything. Right. And yet while you're out there, you're still on Sea Org pay only. Mm-hmm. So it's, was it 50, 46 bucks, 46, 75 or for, something? 46. Yeah. I think it's like 46, 75. Something like that. With, uh, <laughs> after the ta- after the tax is taken out. Yeah. With all your social security that's right. taken out. They... <laughs> hey, that's the social security I'm getting folks. That oh, is yeah. the social security yeah, I'm yeah, getting. Yeah. Same here. So, yeah, there you <laughs> exactly. go. Exactly. That's our retirement plan. Yeah. So, okay. So you're making 46, 75 a week or whatever. And, uh, that's your whole pay. That's all you got. That's right. And you're paying for a cell yeah. phone with that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So all the staff had phones. So, and, and, um, I was living with, um, I was living with another Div 6 staff member. I was living with, um, the former FBO of the org. She was now holding a cafe, I see. Because ah. she wasn't allowed to be on finance. She wasn't Jesus. allowed. She was a really good reg, actually. She wasn't allowed to be on any finance type. Is that because she was post. involved in the whole, she was one of the finance she, yeah, people? Yeah, she who... was, but she didn't do anything really outrageous. But mm. it was. she was still told how 
she could never, she couldn't reg. She couldn't ask people for money. Like right. she absolutely could not be on finance lines or asking anybody for money. She never got a comev, never anything. Just kind of like not really clear. See, isn't that. that really interesting? Like, how do you handle an organization-wide criminal fraud that that, it's, that spans your entire organization, and you don't want to let everybody in on the fact that that's what you're doing is putting a stop to a criminal fraud operation? Well, you just can't ever ask anybody for money yeah. ever again yeah and of course this is gonna rub raw because the whole point of scientology is to make money <laughs> all these people who are really good at it yeah exactly. suddenly can't do it exactly and and she would she would help on mm. on reg cycles like all the time right like she would do a lot like that yeah because she was a good reg so what are you gonna do like just tell her and she liked doing it she liked she liked Talking to the public. She liked helping the public and whatever, right? So, okay. And then I had another roommate who was in Div 6 who was like all over book selling and getting new public in, right? So she was um, she was in contact um, with this public who actually was somewhere in Colorado, funny enough. Mm-hmm. And um, he, this guy was like totally like in love with her. And she was always trying to be like, no, 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 no. You can't send me a birthday present. No, you can't. Like, cause she would just get in trouble, right? If that saw was this the case. so many times, yeah. by the way, over the yeah. years, I saw so many of the good-looking reges, salespeople, right? Especially the oh women. yeah, and this was the host. This was the this was the the info center host. So she was like this cute little blonde girl, Hee! right? You know what I mean? And everybody loved her, right? I'd say I'd, you just get yeah. these guys. You just get these like stalker types. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it happened. So, and and she had a very big heart, and so she was always trying to help this guy and make sure he was on course and make sure he was, like, you know, moving along and doing okay in life and whatever. So she'd talk to him every once in a while. And he, at one point, um, was not doing well at all and was very mentally unstable. And he told her that he was going to kill himself because he couldn't be with her. Mm-hmm. So she freaked out and she was like, oh my God, what do I do? So she immediately goes to HCO and reports the whole thing. And she gets in a bunch of trouble. Of course, of course she gets in trouble because this guy wants to off himself, right? Yeah. Makes she sense. gets in trouble. Yeah. yeah. She, any, anybody call the guy and make sure everything's okay with him? Um, they There was apparently a phone call to him, like one phone call to him. And then I think he was like dead filed, like right. totally gotten off the lines. We don't know. We don't know this guy. Have anything to do with it? Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. not here to help people who actually yeah. have problems. We're here to make the able more able. Right. Yeah. Code exactly. word for able is those with money. Yeah. You know who who aren't depressed, suicidal, anxious, or suffering from any other number of yeah. Problems. Because you don't want to connect any of that to Scientology because that's like the worst thing ever. That's right. Right. Exactly. It's horrible PR. Yeah. Right. So. As a result of this, um, I hear that all the phones are going to be taken and, and inspected, right? And I knew this because she was my roommate, so I happened to hear – I think my other roommate was like, just so you know, they're going to take all the phones. I'm like, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Should we clarify that this is a standard operating yeah, overreaction? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's totally standard. Yeah. Like, like one thing blows up and it's like investigate everybody. Right. And make sure there's no other situations. That's right. Type thing. So I can just imagine what happened when I left. God, these poor people. <laughs> I mean. And and it's just the system. It's just yeah, the way it works. Know, you know, know, it's a paranoid snitch culture. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
this is the behavior. I, I, I felt bad about it. I specifically felt bad about a few people, people that I knew were going to be in a lot of trouble. I'm just, oh, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I hear anyway. you. Um, so, yeah. So I hear the phones are going to get taken. So then I, I, I just delete all my texts with my friend, right? I'm just like, no. Now, he had not been bad-mouthing Scientology. No, he hadn't been bad-mouthing Scientology. There was nothing going on except we were talking to each other, and we were very good friends, and we were talking a lot. Right. And we were texting, and we were talking, and, and like, a lot, and, like, within, like, several weeks. He talked to me when I was in the hospital because he was on a night shift or night schedule, so he was up, like, really late, and I couldn't sleep, so I'd be like, oh, I have somebody to talk to. Right. <laughs> Freaking out in the hospital by myself. So under any circumstances that, you know, probably anybody listening or watching would understand, there's nothing wrong here. There's no moral transgressions. There's no, you know, 40-40 even. It's Except not... we were probably talking too much. You well, know what I mean? well that's that where I was be, going, right? That would Is... be, yeah, you're, you're talking to, why are you talking to this guy so much? Why are you telling him all this stuff about your life and asking all this? Exactly. Why don't you... You're getting way too personal. Well, explain the concept of, please, an external influence. Oh, external influence is anybody who Mm. talks to you or who you talk to outside of the organization, who you tell, you know, personal personal details to or problems, personal problems or anything, any problems you have with the organization or you're getting any sort of support, money anything mm-hmm. from somebody who's not in the organization. Right. And in this case, that being the C organization, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. a very close cloistered private club. Yeah. And external influences are not just frowned upon, they are actively policed. Oh yeah, there's there's right. a whole course you can take to handle external influences. That's right. Well, if you're caught being externally influenced, they make you do that. Yeah. And then you have to go through this whole thing and go, oh, I'm not really supposed to have friends and minimal relations even with family outside of the C organization. Yeah. And you can never tell them, you can never tell anybody that you're unhappy or not doing well or, you know, my post sucks. I got a com ev. You can't ever, ever tell this to anybody outside of the, right. outside of the C org. Oh my God. No way. That's right. Anything basically that I think we maybe agree that anything that would create even the slightest hint of an unfavorable impression of what's going on inside the CU organization would be absolutely verboten communication. That's right. And we will punish you, cut you off, and, and not permit you to communicate outside the organization before we would allow you to say those things. Yeah. Take a look at the creed of the Church of Scientology, then check that out, right? right? So, (laughs) and we of the church believe that all men have an animal right to think freely, talk freely, write freely their own opinions, and counter or utter right upon the opinions of others. You know, something that that always made me wonder was um, the the human rights. Yeah. All the human rights points that they push. Because if you you really like read all those and you watch the videos and stuff, you're like, wow. I don't have most of these in the Sea Org. This that's interesting. I don't feel like I have a lot of these. And you just you feel so weird. You're like, Yes. So we're pushing this, but yet, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Isn't that a weird right? feeling? Like right to your own, like like for 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 example, like the right to your own things, right? Yes. Somebody just takes your phone that belongs to you. That's right. Or takes whatever other device or laptop or whatever. That's right. 
Kindle, whatever. They did this whole thing. They actually did this whole thing early on uh, in Columbus. They went through everyone's apartments and they took all their devices. And they didn't tell any of the staff that they did this. They just took all their devices. And I had an old iPod in one of my drawers that I had photos on and it had like a crack screen and whatever. I hadn't got around, gotten around to like transferring it to anything that was decent. And it disappeared. And I was like, God, where did I put that? I must have, where did I put that? I wondered a couple of times. And then like a year later, the INR was like, oh, by the way, I think this is yours. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's mine. Cool. Okay. And this was this was in Columbus this was or in back Columbus. in no, this really? Columbus. Really? This was this was prior to actually this was they they took it like before the whole COVID thing. And then they just had them for like months and months and months. And then finally, like almost a year later, you got it back or something. Just some random order, I guess, to go yeah. in and do that. Yeah. This is not dissimilar to the story I've told about how in um PAC, I won't go into big thing here, but they came through one day, security being they on the orders of RTC and um, were ordered to take every single movie, DVD yeah, I heard about or that. VHS, yeah. right? Anything yeah. and remove it. And uh, they did. And they shoved them all into plastic bags and, and put it all down in the basement. Everybody, the entire base. Uh, overnight, nobody owned any movies anymore. And this was done because somebody was caught watching a movie in the middle of the afternoon. One person gets caught, the entire base gets punished yeah. and nobody could see or do anything with movies i mean it was ridiculous for the, the longest time now you can just download them on the yeah. device it's like it exactly. doesn't matter anymore exactly <laughs> but you know back then yeah it's just a, it's just the you know the demonstration of a, of a complete contempt for the concept of private property in the sea org it doesn't exist you are you are the property in the sea org is basically how they treat you Oh, I had a flash drive one time when I was in the ILO. I had a flash drive and I had a whole bunch of movies on the flash drive mm. and I, I left it in some computer or something. Somehow, somehow the Durcom saw it and he was like, why does she have all these movies? And he deleted them. He deleted my freaking movies. I'm like, you asshole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she shouldn't have these movies when the org is in the condition that it is. I'm like, you don't even know if I was watching them. I just had them. That's right. Oh my God. That's how it is. That is that is par for the course. Oh my God. A, a guy, a, a, an ethics guy, an MAA guy, whatever, they'll come through and feel completely entitled to take books out of your room, yeah. movie, anything, anything they want. It's their judgment and you don't matter. Anyway. Anyway. So, continuing with this pleasant environment. Yeah. Anyway. So then they took, a, they took everyone's phone inspected everyone's phone and within like a day or so because there's not that many staff and it didn't take them that long plus they had to get everybody back on production right and i wasn't really worried because i'm like okay there's nothing on there and you know what i mean like i'm not doing anything weird so i was like okay i'm gonna get it back and then so i get told um you're not getting your phone back <laughs> and the reason given <laughs> The reason given was because I was I was I was talking to all these people in LA, Sea Org members, Sea Org members in LA, friends of mine, um, and I was talking to them on production time, and I didn't I didn't need a phone. You don't need a phone. Yeah. Meanwhile, person who's responsible yeah. for the org's promotion and right. marketing campaigns doesn't need a phone. Right. Right. That makes sense. 
And I was so mad. I was so mad. That was like the maddest I've ever been about one of my devices being taken. I was so, I was so pissed, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't outwardly pissed because I was like, okay, if I get bad, it's just going to create a whole thing. Okay, fine. So I was inwardly pissed and, um, I hadn't turned in, they said to turn in your phone. So I hadn't turned in my iPod. So an iPod is basically, you can use an iPod as a phone. You can text, you can call, you can do whatever you can on a phone, right? As long as you have Wi-Fi. Yep. So then I told my friend, I was so mad that I, I told him what happened. I'm like, just, just so you know, my phone got taken. And he's like, you mean it got taken? Someone stole your phone? I'm like, yeah, no, uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but I explained it. I explained it in a nutshell. I don't, I don't think I gave him the whole story, but hmm. I told him how, you know, every once in a while, you know, our phones get taken, they get inspected. He's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? That's weird. I'm like, no, actually, yeah. Yeah, it is kind of weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Once somebody else points it out <laughs> yeah. to you. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. And I actually wanted, I was actually thinking at the time, I'm like, I'm going to tell him and I'm just going to see what he says, what he thinks. Because up until this point, I'd never told anybody anything, you know, uh, anything negative about the organization or any of the, any, any negative feelings that I felt or doubts that I had or anything. I never, never told anyone. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I told him and he was just like, yeah, that's, that's wrong. Was it your phone or did it belong to the organization? I'm like, no, it was mine. Paid for the phone, paid for the plan. Still got a month on the plan that I paid for that I can't now use. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so then the conversation just continued like that because i was i was really really visibly upset and he could tell that i was upset and i was just like you know i've i've just about had it and i've just i'm just about ready to do something else and he's like wow well, okay well what do you want to do and it just the, the conversation continued sort of in that vein for a mm-hmm. while and you know different aspects of it and whatever well, you were clearly being so heavily externally yeah. influenced. Yeah. I mean, obvious. it's yeah. obvious what the out ethic situation is here, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure Osa's taking notes here. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm probably, I'm probably going to outlaw iPods now. No, for whatever. No Apple devices. Watch. That'll be the next thing that we hear about the, from the no next person Apple that comes devices. out. No Apple devices are permitted. I bet you, I bet you anything, I'll bet you a freaking Starbucks Market, coffee. bookmark it, folks. Yeah. She's probably right. All right, so they have dared to do this. Now, this is now actually not just a nail in the coffin. You're literally now thinking, I'm fucking done with yeah, this shit. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just about done with this. Between, be, between being told that I couldn't sleep, mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to sleep, basically, mm-hmm. after being fucked up, after having major surgery, and then this happens... And then um, shortly after that, um, excuse me, shortly after that, there was a whole, there was a whole blow up on sort of the, the, the promo, the promotion lines, because I had been running prior to the org closing, I was running uh, what's called the non-existence campaign. Right. Can you explain that briefly? So that is basically when, when, when a new org opens, it automatically gets, um, I think it's 250, 25,000, 250, I think it's 200,000 or $250,000. It sounds about right. Of promotion money. Mm-hmm. Not, not just promotion money. It's for a specific campaign and it's supposed to be surveyed and all this stuff worked out to like really, you know, get the org out there and like show the whole area. This is the org. Come on in basically. All right. So you get TV spots. 
we get like a special video made by S&P um, of the org showing the org and inviting people in. Um, you get pre-made radio spots. Um, you get pre, you get like ads that you can put in newspapers and magazines and whatever. Um, and all of this is supposed to be tailored for your yeah. specific organization, yeah. not generic right. promo for every Scientology right. church. Right. It's supposed to have the buttons of the area and what do people, what's going to bring people into the, into the org that way. Right. Right. And it's called Nani or non-existence because you're getting yourself known right. to the neighborhood, to the city, to the, your area. Right. Yeah. So I was running that campaign as the Dirt Public promo. And of course, when the org closed, um, we stopped everything um, because the org wasn't open. So it's not telling people come in the org. The org's not open. So we're like, no, stop everything. Put it all on hold. Yep. Um, so I stopped everything except I was still running some book ads. Makes sense. Because I was like, okay, well, we're going to sell books. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep the book ads going, right? So this was apparently not coordinated, totally, totally not okay, total financial crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running book ads yeah, was a finance yeah, crime. Yeah, because I used the money from the <laughs> Nani campaign I did didn't have someone's approval. Meanwhile, I was doing this whole campaign, and I, I, it was turned over to me from the, the mission that was there. You know, the ED never had anything to do with it, really. The FBO never had anything to do with it. I was doing it myself. I was doing everything. And, well, sudden, and it was your job. Yeah. And all of a sudden, um, it was like, oh, you didn't coordinate any of this. You were told to stop everything. Mm-hmm. And I had taken it upon myself. I'm like, no, I'm going to keep the book ads going. I think that's pretty smart. Right? So. Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently it wasn't very smart. Nope. <laughs> so I got in a bunch of trouble for this. And I got, I got uh, like, um, at that point, there was some people, there was, there was staff that would go into the org sometime. Like the org was closed and there was staff like, there was a few staff that lived at the org at the time it was closed. Right. Because when they closed the org, some staff stayed. Yeah. 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 Like the ED and DSA and some estates people and some of the networks okay. stayed in the org. So then sometimes there'd be staff who would go into the org to, you know, see the ED or have a meeting or whatever. Just like a few people would go in, would have okay to go in. Right. And mm-hmm. this was when the org was about to open up and well, not open, but it was about to be okay for all the staff to go back. Okay, so, so around what deal. time are we this talking? This was about, this was uh, mid-June. Okay. Yeah, this is mid-June. All right. So you guys have been over in the hotel full-time for a couple months now. Yeah. March, April, May. Apartments, yeah. Or apartments, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. So yeah. so you're over there, and then a couple months go by, and now, oh, maybe yeah, we can get back into the order. There's orc. like a little bit of a trickle of people get, going in. So, and the point on that is that I... I was called into the org to go and see the 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 FBO and the and the ED and they were like really <laughs> they were really really pissed about this whole thing about me running these book ads right and so um, and I was having I had had some email correspondence with one of our media people because I was running these ads with like iHeart was running these ads mm-hmm. for me um, and because there was like online there was like online ads and they were running them. And I had some a little bit of email correspondence. And so I was trying to explain the different conversations that we were having and how I'd come to start doing this, right? And how much money I'd use and whatever. And I was still, I think I was still messed up from the whole operation. Mm. Because I was, and there was something going on, I think, with like my short-term memory or something. Because I was like, I don't remember what the conversation was. 
like mm. with this, uh, like prior to, um, like right before the org, or the org closing or right as the org closed, I was having all these conversations, right. Um, about the ads with media people. And I couldn't remember. So the ED was asking me all these questions and I could not remember. I'm like, I could not remember. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Plus I was like hardly sleeping and you know, I hadn't had anesthesia or anything. So, so I think it was sort of affecting me mm-hmm. in like a very bad way. Cause I was like, I don't remember. And she just was like, Oh my God, just nailing me. Right. And so I got really upset about that. And that was another thing where I was like, okay, this is bullshit. This is cause I tried to say, you know, I just, I just had major surgery a few weeks ago. She's like, Oh, I don't want to hear about your body problems. You know, that, that sort of yeah, there's no excuse. You, you know how that conversation goes. You're like, well, I just had major major surgery. I might have a sh- a little bit of a hard time with my memory, and I'm hardly sleeping. Oh, well, that's not an excuse. That's right. <laughs> because of fate knows. Right. You're yeah. supposed to know exactly what you did. That's right. So, anyway, so that wasn't a very good conversation. That didn't go she well. Actually, no, that didn't go well. She actually held a grudge against me for like the rest of the time I was there. She really did. She was a big. She was a big grudge person. Now, this is now just to be super, super, super clear. And the reason why she was so pissed is not because she's against book ads, but because you use money from the non-e campaign yeah. on what was something that was not strictly speaking a non-e campaign. Well, no, it item. was it was non-e campaign. It was. But I was supposed to stop doing the non-e campaign because the org was closed. And so book ads are somehow a crime? Yeah. Your ED was That's a fucking what, yeah, idiot. She was an idiot. I mean, she was. She, this is really, really yeah. idiot level. This is the person running the organization saying book ads. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. It's just yeah. The, it, the it's, stupidity it's, that strikes it's, me. It was from illogical. It was so illogical. <sighs> wow. It was. Yeah. How dare you? So that was another thing that really got under my skin and really, yeah. really pissed me off. And I'm just like, okay, this is getting to be too much. And I even, I even, I, I told my friend about this. I just started telling him everything. Yep. I'm just like, well, guess we what go. happened now? <laughs> guess what? Yeah. And it was, so, it was actually so great actually being able to tell somebody this stuff that was going on and not have to like, have like, you know, worry about how you're going to get a KR <laughs> from your friend who you just vented to, you know? That's right. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly. So, it's so liberating. Yeah, exactly. So then the org, um, we went into like what was called like sort of phase one. Um, the staff were going to go back in the org yet. It's not open to the public, but the staff are going to go back in and be able to work in the org and do call in and do basically everything they're doing in the apartments back in the org. Okay. And this is mid late June. This was, this was getting to be like end of June. Yeah. Okay. But, and timing-wise, I only point this out because this is still when lockdowns happen in the rest yeah. of the world. I mean, the rest of the world's not opening up. Right. But you guys are coming back into the building. Yeah. Was there some catalyst for that or was it just a random, well, now we're just going to do this? No, it was, it was, um, there was, there was an issue out and there was supposed to be certain stages of the orgs being able to, able to open and they had to oh, have Oh, this certain, is when this comes down. Yeah. They had oh. to have certain, this is the whole protocols and all of all that. All the issues on the protocols and the whole thing and okay. post three cleaners so they can clean with d7 18 times a day and now isn't fog, that interesting fog the, every room in the org even though they weren't used 
was so ridiculous. It was There's so over the top March, of ridiculousness. April, May, June. It takes four months for Scientology to figure out internationally what to do about this. Yeah. Write the issues, write, make the manuals or whatever, and send them down to you guys. Yeah. Okay. And this is now supposed to be a phased Yeah, it was activity. supposed to be done in, in, in phases. Okay. So then there was a few cleaners that got posted and we all had to, before we went back in the org, we all had to read the issues on the protocols, you know, mask, gloves, social distancing. Um, we all had to like, when we started going back in the org, we all had a cleaning checklist for our office that we had to, we had to drill this cleaning checklist like five times or something and do every single thing on it, you know, and this was anyway. <laughs> it was a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> yes, I imagine it was. Must have been a little reminiscent of uh, EPF stuff. Oh, it was much worse. Oh, except than that. that. Oh, actually, it worse. Was much worse. Okay, I was thinking about when we were learning how to um, how to polish the brass. Oh yeah. You know, it was like this whole checklist, and you had to. It was, it was similar, but no, yeah. This was this was dust, and then D seven, and then after D seven, you have to put water on everything. You have to wash off the D seven. Yeah, yeah. What would be the point? Because it because it leaves to kill a, everything. Yeah, because it leaves a residue. I mean, it would have it would have it's probably already wrecking everything yeah. in the orgs anyway. Yeah, because it is strong stuff. But yeah. so it leaves a residue. So you're supposed to wipe. You're Got supposed it. to put Got water it. on it afterwards. Okay. So we all did that. We all read the issues. We went back in the org um, for a briefing, and we were and that's that's at the point where we were told if anyone gets sick, you're going to get a comment. <laughs> Okay, so that's when that word comes yeah, down. Yeah. Okay, so now this, I'm curious about this because I'm, um, you know, this is one of those moments that are pivotal uh, in, in a way. This is absolutely foundational is if you have some non-optimum situation, you, you got a PTS condition. Yeah. And now you're being told, oh, yeah, no, 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 that's not, that's not what's going on. It's you're going to get this COMEV, it's called a Committee of Evidence, and it is it is a very severe form of justice in Scientology. It's basically equivalent to charging you with criminal charges and bringing you into a court. It's a Scientology court, which means it's a kangaroo court, but that's the equivalent. You are in a lot of trouble if you're getting yeah. COMEV. It is not a small thing. Nobody just breezes through a COMEV. So if it's a COMEV offense to now get sick, this is unheard of. It's unprecedented yeah. in Scientology's history that this would be a punishment, but it wasn't quite put that way. Yeah. Well, the initial briefing that yeah. we got was if you get sick, you will get a COMEV. Yeah. But what that turned into was if you get sick, that means you violated the protocols, which are in the issues, um, and you're getting COMEV for violating the protocols. Right. So it becomes non-compliance. Right. Rather than getting sick. Because obviously if you wear a mask, if you wear gloves, and if you stay socially distanced, and if you D7 your shoes and you, you know, follow all the D7 procedure. Spray all your food and everything. Not, you didn't quite spray I, your food. I, I know, it's just but, so ridiculous. But, but actually you, you were supposed to wash your clothes in, in D7. If you were like outside of the org, I, I'm not kidding. When we started going outside of the org to sell books and do promo... We were supposed to wash our, we were supposed to change our clothes and wash our clothes in D7 when we came back. Oh, I did course. it a few times and then I'm like, fuck this. Right. And you know what? I'm one of the few people in the org who never got sick and I was out all the time. You don't say. And I did not get sick one time oh, after COVID. Kidding. 
I'm not kidding. Well, I just, Isn't I can't believe funny? it. I, to- I totally believe it. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. This just, it's just such, I, I only, I'm only highlighting this to really point up the internal inconsistency, right? And the fact that, I, you know, I, I, anyway, amongst many other things that you can kind of reconcile yourself to almost anything if you just twist your yeah. thinking around. I yeah. mean, here's a, here, you know, here is this foundational L. Ron Hubbard principle. And it's like, well, we're just going to throw that out the window right now. And everybody just kind of goes along with it, but kind of not really. Yeah. Kind of, kind of not, kind of not really. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's, that's why it turned into, I mean, after we received that initial, you're going to get a comment if you get sick, it, 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 it morphed into, no, you're getting comment for violating the program protocols, right. but that took a little while. Yeah, somebody had their actually, thinking yeah, cap on figuring had to, like, that think one about out. That. Actually, no, we're not going to come of you because you got sick. We're going to come of you because you obviously violated the protocols, and that's why you're sick. That's right. With that's anything, right. not just with COVID, with anything. Like, yeah, like, can... like if somebody, if a girl throws up because she because it's that time of the month. Getting she's going to I know somebody who who did, or she at least did conditions. I don't. I don't actually know. She got a comment. Wow. I think she did get a comment. Wow. Anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of a big deal. It was massive change amongst many other things, right? Because there's also the whole COVID protocols. Right. I mean, you guys got to wear masks everywhere, yeah. but you also have to wear gloves everywhere. Yeah, masks and gloves. Right. Who was wearing gloves? Nobody. Who was wearing? Yeah, Nobody. exactly. Except the Scientologists. Except the weird Scientologists. That's God. right. I loved it. In the wintertime, I would just wear, I would just wear mittens when I was out. Right. I was like, screw this. I'm not doing this. Did um, this was I, I'm not sure because I didn't look up the timing on this. Um, do you happen to know if the org was trying to if Columbus as an org was trying to take advantage of the PPP loans? I don't know. I had several people ask me about that. And I actually don't. I don't know. I know okay. that a lot of orgs got that. Yeah. Um, I don't have specifics. I just happened to hear it somewhere. Okay. They did. It was wondered out loud by somebody, and I thought it was interesting, so I thought I'd pick it up and e- echo it here. I saw it on a comment somewhere, maybe on Tony's blog or somewhere, I can't remember where, that perhaps one of the motivations for this intense COVID protocol thing was to show, you know, hey, we're taking all this very seriously, and then get maybe there was some idea that, oh, let's get all the churches to go for PPP. Loans, yeah, that right? could be. I think the initial thing was it was a whole freak out on like, because anytime there was like there was like a, a you know a massive amount of people getting COVID or like super spreader events yeah. or whatever, yeah. it was like all over the media, right? Right. So I knew it would have been a major flap if it was like you know eighty people got COVID at Church of Scientology and like True. they're trying to keep it out of the media True as that. much as possible. I know. And that. and in their usual bungled up way, go the opposite extreme yeah. to the nth degree. Yeah. Right. And look like a bunch of weirdos. Yeah. Plus, they had these all these videos. Like they had all these videos on cleaning, which which weren't bad. It was just like a lot of it was common sense type stuff. Yeah. And could be actually very helpful to people that don't know that they should actually like sanitize and whatever, like regular right. sanitization, not like the whole D seven thing. But they had all these videos, and then they had also this whole video that was done to show the whole thing of how they found D seven and started using the the decon seven at flag and started going out to like. Uh, you know, other churches or, or other 
you know, public places and doing D7 and how is all, like, all this goodwill being created and whatever. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's, that's, yeah that's that interesting. It's first videos. I'm hearing about this. That was part of the videos. Well, this helps make a little bit of sense of this then because clearly somebody, mistakenly, but somebody had the idea, oh, well, here's how we can get Scientology in front of this. Yeah. And make it look like we're leading the way in society toward, you know, solving this problem because we're going to show everybody how to clean. Like somebody had the, I, I, in the first few months of this, I mean, let's all remember we were all a bunch of a confused chickens. Nobody had it clear what the hell to do. Right. And so clearly this was an idea somebody was having that, well, we're going to lead the way. Yeah. With a very ill-conceived strategy. Yeah. Like there was, yeah. there was teams of staff. Um, from every single org that went out and they got like these, the booklets, the stay well booklets, they put them like all over the place yeah. and like stores and different places and stuff. Right. And then, and then, um, they had the videos going. So then once the org, um, got okay to open mm -hmm. and have the public coming in again. And this is now August. Yeah. This was I think mid August. The org opened. Okay. Yeah. So staff are coming back in on a yeah, regular so the, schedule so now. So the staff were all coming in and then. At Boom. one point, it was like, okay, you can have the public come in now, Doors but open. they have to follow the protocols. They have to wear masks. They have to, they have to wear gloves. They have to stay sort of socially distanced. And they were supposed to agree to do this. Um, also, everywhere they went, not just in the org. Mm -hmm. Like <clears throat> they would come in, they would watch these videos. They would watch the Stay Well videos. They would watch, you know, the videos on on the D seven that was done and all this stuff, right? And then they would have to. Um, go through like like this checklist and basically agree and attest that they're going to follow this so that they can be on service in the org. Got it. So this was the series of conditions they now had to yeah. meet. Yeah. Okay. And, then, and it was expected that everybody was just going to come in, do all this and go, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Boom, boom. And yeah. Get, and, yeah, and, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. There was a lot. There was a lot of public that were like, "Screw that! I'm not doing that." And some right. people were like, you know, really still afraid of going out at all because of COVID. So they're like, "No, I'm not coming back in the org yet." Right. Some people were like, "No, I'm not doing these protocols." Some people were like, "Okay, fine, I'll do it." But then they wouldn't do it. Like once they were out of the org, they wouldn't do it. Right. And that came up. A oh, couple I swear times. I'll do it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you had all different different responses to this could we get some estimate here based on at least your observation and the statistics like let's take a look at this org for just a second you guys are fired out there how many of you all how many sea org members were out there uh started out with over 100 and different things happened and it was probably like 80 or so when we opened back up okay i really lost lost yeah there people. was there were some people that there was there was this whole thing done, like the any of the elderly, some of the elderly people went back to L.A. I don't know what happened to them <laughs> because it was like, oh, if you're over a certain age, then you're at risk for COVID. You have to I, you have to stay in the apartment or stay on. You have to do full time study. You can't be around anybody, whatever. Right. This is a whole thing in L.A. too. It was I heard about this in L.A. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The older staff, they were they were kept out of the orgs for quite a while because I, I heard this because I worked in the galley and my dishwasher was like 67 years old or something. And I heard that he was just, he was at the birthing for like months and months. And I thought about it. And I'm like, I wonder what happened to all the OSA staff. All the OSA staff are like all over 60. Are they? A, a lot of the OSA in staff are very, are like older people. 
that is an interesting so, piece of information. Maybe they because I, I get asked about OSA staff or something. Well, I, I, I get know. I get asked about OSA staff yeah. all the time, right? And then and if they're all a bunch of dinosaurs, that means they're mm -hmm. not taking in new guys. That's interesting. They took on very few new people because the calls for OSA are just like ridiculous. Like, right. Like to get approved to actually be fully an OSA. Oh my God, it takes for it. I've seen it take forever. I've seen people be like OSA training is forever and ever. Damn. Interesting. Probably another podcast there. Um, seriously, yeah. I, I have questions. But um, getting back to this narrative, okay, that's interesting about the old people. Yeah. So they were even flying them back out to LA yeah. rather yeah, than leave were, them out yeah. there. Okay, so you lost some people there. What around what range was your public what's called bodies in the shop? People who actually come in and doing services. It was around when the org closed, it was around a hundred. Okay. Like so this between, is not a great it fluctuated between like eighty and hundred people. Okay. So this is about roughly the size that we got Twin Cities up to at its peak, was about a oh, yeah. hundred folks yeah. coming in. Okay, so um so comparable, comparable. Yeah. But now, after the thing opens back up, you're calling people, come in, rah, rah, rah. I'm sure yeah. there was a big rush or trying to make a rush. Yeah. How many people ended up back on service right um, away? God, that's hard to say. I'd say maybe initially about maybe half the public came back in. Really? And because also... Um, because the Purif and SRD were closed, there was a lot of, we were big on SRD before, before COVID. Right. SRD was shut down. Right. So this then, was my next question is what could you deliver? Um, they did a lot. Of, they, I mean, they tried to reg people for academy type stuff. Um, Golden Age of Knowledge. They got a bunch of people in Golden Age of Knowledge, but some people are like, oh, whatever. I'll just do the extension course at home. Right. Like, right. well, I don't need to come in type thing. All right. So not to get all cryptic here, because we're throwing in some Scientology yeah, service sorry. stuff around here. And it's and no, not at all. Um, you know, you'd have to be intimately familiar with all the minutia yeah. of Scientology yeah. to get all this stuff. What we're basically saying is that um, there are two front mainline lower level services that churches like Columbus would concentrate on. The purification rundown, which is the detox, the sauna, sweat out thing. Total bullshit, but people go for it in Scientology. And the SRD, which is the survival rundown. It used to be known as the TRs and objectives co-audit. Some of you might have heard that if you've been around for a while. And it's basically a service that allows public Scientologists to get in there, work with somebody else, do TRs do low-level objective processing on one another and actually make some progress on this beginning steps of the Scientology bridge. The Purif and the, and the objectives are the first two major steps people take on, on their Scientology journey. And the orgs were not allowed to deliver those services mm -hmm. when they opened back up. So they're they scrambling. They also didn't do any TRS courses. And no TRS no. courses because everybody no, because had to be close. because you had to have people be too close. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So none of that. And I think that's still shut down. It is. Orgs, right? No, no across the planet place, right yeah. now, orgs are not delivering these services. So oh. effectively, and this is an important point, August, they open up, and yet they can't deliver their no. mainline no. services that most of the public are doing. Mm -hmm. So they have to scramble to try to get him to do these other services just for the sake of being on service rather than actually dealing with the person in front of them and giving them what yeah. they want. Yeah, exactly. And, and somehow this is not supposed to have a negative consequence on on, all, on any Scientologists, right? Right. But of course it does. So. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely. 
So I'd say it was probably about, maybe about half the public came back in and then maybe it went up to, I mean, I've heard this, I've heard this thing about maybe a third. Yeah. There were in, the insider was talking about third, third, yeah. third, like a third that, were like, absolutely not. A third were like kind of on the fence and a third were like, absolutely. I'm coming back in. Yeah. That, that, that was just his observation. A, that sounds pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds pretty kind of how it Yeah. Because out. I wasn't directly on public lines. So I don't, I don't really have the numbers. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, getting getting about an average of about a hundred folks on a week pri- pre COVID definitely sounds about right yeah. for especially for a place like Columbus, right? So um, so these numbers are interesting, and I'm I'm just kind of watching them and noting and being very interested <laughs> in all of this. So because uh, they keep because because little things just keep coming up. Yeah. That just get in the way. They yeah. just keep getting in the way, keep yeah. getting in the way. And, and the public know these are unnecessary. They yeah. know they don't have to wear gloves. Yeah. Plus, but, if, know, plus if they had any symptoms of anything, they would immediately not be able to come in the org anyway for two right. weeks until they... Exactly. I mean, it kept changing. First, it was like, you have to go in quarantine for two weeks. And then it was like, oh, no, you just have to get a COVID test. And it, it, it changed. It evolved. Right. Over- over the months, but well, wasn't there wasn't there some point pretty soon after this where a bunch of the staff got quarantined? Oh, yeah. yeah, in October. <laughs> yeah, so um, just another way of of covertly closing the or right. or in, or in, you know inadvertently. Yeah, it was like 90 percent of the staff, including all the execs and the ED, um, went to quarantine for two weeks. I was one of the few people that were left in the org <laughs> once again. <laughs> Symptom free, right? Yeah, symptom free. Symptom had allergies a little bit, which I freaked out about, and I didn't tell anybody. But I, I wasn't sick. I was never sick. So yeah, it was like ninety percent of the staff. And what happened was, um, this was like apparently some people had like had like symptoms and didn't report it, or they were around the public that had symptoms, and they were like, okay, fine, I was around you for five minutes or whatever, and it was a whole thing, and. And so anybody who had had any sort of symptom, any sort of anything um, over the past couple of weeks, um, it was just like, okay, you're going to quarantine. You're going to quarantine. And, and it was literally like everybody was sent to quarantine. <laughs> so October so must have been an interesting month. Yeah, October was interesting. October wow. was very interesting. Meanwhile, I was going out all the time and doing promo. Um, and I was putting, I was leaving promo, um, um, like I would leave promo in stores and yeah, you were not doing direct no, handouts. I wasn't, I wasn't hand, no, we didn't hand Nobody's doing that on no, the street. No. Right. And plus I would go to the university and put posters up on the on the bulletin boards in the university because those were just endless because the OSU campus is so huge. Yeah. So many buildings. And I used to do that all the time. And so I was going out all the time. And during this time, I was talking to my friend every time I was out. And I... I started watching stuff online. I started watching on your iPod. Yeah. And what Actually, kind I would of things? Listen. I would listen oh. while I was while I was doing promo. Okay. I would listen. Oh to my things. god! Because <laughs> I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was like, okay, I think I want to leave. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure when. Okay, so if I just leave, leave. If I just take off, that means I'm not going to be in Scientology anymore. Okay, so. Do I really not want to be in Scientology anymore? Okay, let me let me dig into this a little bit and find out 
things that right. I wouldn't necessarily find out if I just, you know, went to the ethics officer and said, I'm in down in Scientology. Right. Or Sea Org or whatever, and down That's on the Sea Org, and I'm thinking of leaving. And okay, do a doubt formula. And of course, the doubt formula always leads you back to staying in Scientology or staying in the Sea Org. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a very narrow path that is yeah. provided to you. So I started listening to and watching a little bit. I was mostly listening to um, a lot of Aaron's videos, mm. um, a lot of your videos, um, a few other ones. I listened to the, the Jason Begay interview, which was fascinating. Oh, my yes. God. It's a great. Yeah. It's that a was great really good. Beginning. It, it really does hit hard and it hits fast for yeah. those of us just coming out. I remember that one. Yeah. And there's a reason. I don't know if you remember this or uh but jason begay specifically is so good because he's the guy who narrated the sea orc slideshow he did yes a world gone mad oh remember God, that I voice know that. yeah that's him oh that is him isn't yeah it? jason begay i mean his wow, voice know that is kind of connected with the sea org for a lot of us, it was because his voice was the voice oh, of the... Oh, that's why they stopped that slideshow. Yes, that's right. They had a slideshow wow. and they would tour it around and show off the charisma of the Sea Org. And this was a Hubbard advice. This is how to promote the Sea Org. Go around with this slideshow. And so they had designed a new one, I guess, in the 90s. And they used Jason Begay as the narrator because he's got a very distinct yeah. gravelly yeah. voice. And it sounds kind of hardcore. Yeah. And they would use it to promote the Sea Org. Right. And so when I think his, he was in a tech film too, wasn't he? Oh yeah, yeah he yeah. was in a, a yeah. couple of them. Yeah. So he was prominently. Which they had to redo. Yes. <laughs> this would happen. This would happen all the time. Yep. All of a sudden, there would be a tech film canceled or not canceled, but like, oh, you can't show that anymore. And be like, yeah. why not? Oh, because blah blah's in it. That's right. right? That's right. Like they had to. I couldn't believe they they redid the the pro TRs. Oh my god! I was so mad. I was like, you can't redo that film. That's right. No, no, right. you can't do that. That's right. And I was like, why? Oh, because Dan. Coon. I'm like, Dan Coon's gone. Oh, wow, interesting. Okay. Exactly. That's how I felt when I found out about that. Oh These are just things that are, that exist in Scientology. They have films to train Scientologists and in how to be an auditor and stuff like that. And they would have prominent Scientology celebrities. Isaac Hayes has been in Scientology technical training films. Jason Begay was a bunch of Scientology celebs. They don't use any prominent celebs anymore. No, they, they no. don't. They don't use anybody that you could ever recognize. They use just nope. totally random. Well, they people. hire non-Scientologists yeah. now yeah. too, yeah. right? And uh, started doing that. Yeah. And sometimes they might try to make them Scientologists, yeah. um, but they um, they just hire stock actors now because of this problem. Where eventually they would they leave. leave. They yeah, would Larry leave, Anderson, and then, and then they can't show the film anymore because they're ex Scientologists. That's right. That's right. So this was a real big problem. They were getting a lot of free or cheap, um, you know, pro yeah. labor out of these guys. Yeah. And uh, anyway, that all went by the wayside. That's a little bit of ancient his history in Scientology, but it's just funny to then see them or hear them. I've watched Larry Anderson on video yeah. talk about Scientology. Uh, Jason Begay and, uh, you know, a couple others. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw his video, uh, and I saw, um, there was a few that really, that really impinged on me. There was one that Aaron did. You'll have to put a link on this, on this one. That was, um, Scientology in the matrix. Yeah. That was and one. I saw that and I was like, that is so true. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. I think I watched it twice. Actually. I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe this. 
And then there was another one, I forget which interview it was, um, again with Aaron, where he was talking about basically, you know, if someone's, if someone's anti-Scientology or doesn't agree with Scientology, doesn't mean Scientology anymore, they're automatically an SP, right? Yep. And it's not like you take the characteristics and you say, oh yeah, that fits, that fits, that fits. It's like, no, oh, you don't like Scientology or you're not in Scientology or whatever. You're against Scientology. You're automatically an SP. So he was saying how, you know, no one's ever going to take the SP characteristics and, and, and tally me up on them. <laughs> and I was like, that's true, actually. That's really, that's, that's very true. And that's very interesting. And that doesn't seem right because those are supposed to be the characteristics. Right. And yet you have an issue that calls uh, antisocial personality and anti-Scientologist. Yeah. And it's really interesting, really interesting, once your eyes start opening to the contradictions. Yeah. Which is exactly what you're talking about, is you start becoming aware of these contradictions that have been in front of you the entire time. It's right there in the materials. Yeah. But we didn't read it that way because yeah. we thought, oh, no, that, you know, you wouldn't even occur to you that there would be a negative way or a, or a biased, horrible way of applying this information. We right. always apply it so beautifully. Yeah, right. Until it's pointed out to you how we don't. And yeah. you're like, oh, shit, it actually doesn't say that, does it? Yeah. You know, that business in, I mean, maybe one of the more extreme examples, I don't know if you remember, um, from Science of Survival, where he talks about the leper colony and how they just took them oh, out yeah. in a barge and blew them yeah. up. And how basically that was pretty much the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, pretty much says that in the book. And you're like, and it just kind of gloss over. You're like, no, that's not really what he means, even though that's exactly what he says. Yeah. You know, just, it's very interesting. Yeah, that's what you do with all the one ones, right? That's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the world would be better uh, off without them. Uh-huh. And that includes every single, according to L. Ron Hubbard, every single person in the LGBTQ band. You know, they took that out of the new Science of Survival. What? They took that line. They took that out. The, the part they? that says that talks about homosexuals being one one. They took it out of Science of Survival. I specific because I read the old Science of Survival. I yeah. read like five times trying to understand it. Right. Yeah. So then when I read the new one, I was like, "Wow, right. they took it out. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if they updated Dianetics as well because it's in there too. I don't. I'll have remember. to. I'll have to check the latest editions yeah. and actually check this out. Yeah, but they definitely uh, took it out of Science and Survival. Okay. Well, isn't that interesting? We knew it was coming. Yeah. It was just a matter of time. I mean, because we keep talking about it. So, there you go. Who's to say? You know, it is. You know, one of the things I'm just going to say straight up, but just as a person who's been doing this for a lot of years, it's actually a little pleasing to me <laughs> to hear <laughs> that the things that we have been exposing. Yeah are actually like being acted yeah. on. I mean, it's not like there's some hope for Scientology. Fuck that. But <laughs> isn't it isn't it interesting that there actually is yeah. change in response to this? I and mean, there, it's and and there's not like there was like an announcement about it. Oh, by the way, Science's Survival was updated. It just gets done and nobody says anything. That's right, quietly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Suddenly it's just not there anymore. And in this and in a culture where they are taking tech balls and policies and all kinds of stuff away. Yeah. You know, where it's a little haphazard as to how you access stuff, you can get away with stuff like that. Yeah. Right? Because nobody's really tracking what's going on. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. Yeah, very. Well, continuing right along here. So uh where were we? So yeah, so I was listening to all sorts of things while I was That's out. Right. And I was also, um, oh, I came across, actually by accident, I came across Aaron um, talking about the clear cognition. 
Ah. And this was completely by accident because I was still afraid of like, oh, I can't. That's confidential. I'm going to be I'm going to be messed up if I ever see that before I'm out up to that and all that, which I totally do not believe anymore because nothing happened to me. Nothing happened to every other person who's read this information before they're ready. And I don't ever plan on going that route anyway because I don't see the point. Yeah. So I came across this video where he talks about the clear cognition and I was like, really? That's what it is? I am not impressed. <laughs> and I read that on the CCRD check sheet. So I can absolutely oh, yeah. attest that what Aaron talks about yeah. is that that's what it is. Yeah. You know. And it was interesting to me because at that point I had studied um, up through um, all the books, um, all the, the the lectures that went with all the books. I was doing what's called the chronological study. So, mm -hmm. so studying all the books, Congresses, what's called the advanced clinical courses, which is just more lectures, Congresses, which is which are lectures. But I was doing all this in sequence and I was up to, um, I think, the 8th, 7th or the 8th. ACC. So I'd studied quite a bit by then. Yeah, that is a lot. Basically, you were studying all of the books and lectures through 1956? Yeah, 50, yeah, 55? that sounds about right. 55, 56. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, because, well, no, because you have Dynamics. I wasn't up to Dynamics 55. Oh, you weren't like 54. 54. Yeah, okay. it was up to like 54. Of, lots of material in yeah, there. Yeah, there's tons. Early days, tons, tons of stuff. stuff. Yeah. But it's it's actually it's also very it's very repetitive, and he tells a lot of the same stuff and the same stories over and over and over and over and over and over, yeah. just in like different ways and whatever, right? And and actually, all the stuff he talks about, you're just like, wow, this doesn't exist anymore. This doesn't you don't hear about this anymore. You don't hear about this anymore. It's and I guess it's because you're you're back there and you're not up to the point where it's like, oh, well, the grades and the grade chart and That's whatever, right. right? There was, in the 1950s, there was there none anything. of this stuff. Yeah. There was even a two-year period where there were no e-meters being used. That's right. So you got all kinds of crazy shit going on in the 1950s as this thing sort of evolved into what it became, um, where it went from Dianetics as a science to this sort of pseudo-religious thing. A lot of people not on board with that, but Hubbard gradually worked them over, or got new people in, and then they started working over this whole concept of clear, and that was what they spent the rest of the 1950s yeah. on. Yeah. And it wasn't really, modern Scientology emerged in the 1960s uh, when Hubbard was in England, just to give the quick rundown on yeah. that. So listening to all the early stuff so, is fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. And then and then when I heard this, this video that Aaron did on the clear cognition, I was like, Okay, that's that's all it is. I mean, I basically already knew that. Like, you're mocking up your own shit. You're creating your own whatever, right? Yep. So I wasn't very impressed. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, now that I've seen that, and if I do decide to stay, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to do this. I'm like, yeah, this is... I felt really weird after I'd seen that. I was just like, things were starting to like kind of... The whole thing was starting to just come apart. I was just like, yes. no, I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to stay. So then. I, I mean, all of this sound is so familiar to me. Yeah. I totally hear you. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. It just, it does. It feels like, it feels like the seams are starting to show. Yeah. Like, it, like things are starting to pull apart a little bit. Yeah. You're kind of like, what am I actually doing here? Right. 
Yeah, and I was asking myself that for a long time. And plus, I just was, like I said before, I just was unhappy. Just personally, I'm just like, I'm just not happy. And I I thought it'd be better going to Columbus and I'd, it'd be like a new fresh start. And it was just the same shit, you know? Right. Same shit happening. Same, you know, people being yelled at and whatever and schedules all weird. And I mean, it wasn't that bad in Columbus, but like I say, I wasn't... I wasn't allowed to sleep after my major surgery. I wasn't allowed to, anyway. And that that really didn't sit right with me. So, um, so I was doing a lot of that. Every time I was out, I would I would listen to more and I would read more and I would talk to my friend. And I was I was like, actually, for several months, I was trying to decide like, how what do I want to do? How do I want to do this? What like what the heck do I want to do? Like, because if I say okay, I want to leave the Sea Org, you know, conditions, the whole thing, right? Plus, I'd be sent back to L.A., and I knew if I was sent back to L.A., I sort of thought that somebody would probably handle me mm-hmm. if I was sent back to L.A. I'm like, no, it's, if, if I go back to L.A., it's, it's all over. I'm not, I'm not going. Right. So then I was like, okay, well, maybe I should just leave. Well, how do I do that? And at that point, I wasn't um, – I was still – um, I was disconnected from my mom and my sister because my mom was declared and whatever, right? And I hadn't wanted to reestablish that um, as like my starting point of like, oh, hi, so I'm going to leave. Like, I, it just, it, it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I have extended family um, where none of them are Scientologists. They're up in Minnesota. And, but I'm not close to any of them enough to be like, hi, can I... Can you come and pick me up? Right. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is my, one of my uncles was like, when I finally saw him, when I did leave, when I saw him after not seeing him for so long, he was like, wow, that's funny because I, you know, he's a truck driver. So he's like, wow, I go through Ohio all the time. I could have just picked you up. <laughs> it was exactly. actually a really funny conversation. I was like, yeah, I didn't think of it. I hadn't talked to you in so long and right. whatever, right? Right. It was just kind of funny. He's like, yeah, I was just driving through Columbus last month, you know? <laughs> Exactly. I was like, oh, God. But so I was trying to decide what to do. And I was talking a lot, a lot to my friend. And he was trying to help me. And because he's, he was also trying to understand, well, okay, well, what does that mean if you go back to LA? Like, what's going to happen to you type thing? Because um, he didn't really understand what the Sea Org was and how things worked. And so I was sort of telling him some stuff. And it was, it's, it's, it's hard to tell a new person and have them understand it, right? Mm-hmm. So then <clears throat> that was going, there was a lot of back and forth on that. And then he, he was getting really concerned because he, he was starting to read some stuff online, which he didn't tell me about until much later, mm. but he was trying, he, he started checking out things online and he started getting like freaked out. Like for me, like, he's like, oh, this is really not good. This is really, really, really not good. But he didn't want to tell me that he was doing any of that. And he didn't want to, like, scare me or he didn't want to go that route. So he's being very careful with, with what he said to me. So then he actually found um, there was a letter that my mom wrote in 2008. She wrote it to somebody in OSA and explained, like, our whole what had happened between us, right? And was, like, asking for this to be resolved one way or another. And he found this letter online. So he found out exactly what it, like I told him based what had happened, but not in like all the specifics that she did. 
So he found this letter online and he took it and he took each part of it and he sent me this really long email and he's like, and he lists and he, and he had it like broken down and he, and he just like says like one section of it. And he's like, is this true? Did Mm -hmm. this actually happen? No, none like nothing where I could like justify, oh, well that was because (laughs) blah, 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 blah. It was just like, no, did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? And I was finally like, yes, yes, yes. All this happened. So then um, he was very like, okay, you need to get out of there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But not wow. exactly in those words, but trying to get me to like come to that realization that I needed to get, to get out of there. Right. Yeah. And I'm saying I want to leave, but I don't know how to do it. But, uh, it's just like, it's, this is like going back and forth kind of mm. back and forth and back and forth and trying to figure out what to do. And he's, he's actually trying to figure out if he could like come and pick me up. Cause he's just over like... He's over in um, Philadelphia. Okay. Um, so he's trying to figure that out, sort of. But he's kind of like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of yeah. a, it's a little bit of an ask yeah. to drive a couple states over to pick somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, then what am I going to do? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, what's the plan? What are you going to do? Yeah. Oh my God! Look at the time. <laughs> You're such a brat. You're such a brat, Chris. I am horrible. <laughs> I am a horrible, awful person. I am the worst host ever. And I'm stopping this podcast right now because we are going to leave it on this cliffhanger because part three, which we will finish this whole narrative, um, we're going to get into your entire escape story yeah. because clearly you escaped. Yeah. I can't tell you enough how hilarious it is to me that most of this was happening, most of your breakdown of your belief set while you were out passing out promo. I think that's I think that's <laughs> hilarious to me. It really is. I really had to be it. sure. I really had to yeah. be sure what I was doing. Like I was like, okay, if I'm gonna completely change my life, I need to be completely sure. Plus, a really important point I want to say yeah. one more thing, which is that I didn't wanna I didn't wanna leave in anger. Like I didn't wanna leave as like a reaction to something that happened. So right. I was trying to be in like a good mindset you know i was actually doing really well on post like we were like one of the best orgs on promo and book sales and everything and i was doing i was doing pretty well the entire time i was there i had this one thing happen with with what i already told you but that didn't turn into anything and i was always doing really well on post because and i didn't and i never wanted to leave as like a reaction there were many times when i was upset and whatever and over the years but i never wanted to be like oh this is bullshit and just go because i knew i would just kind of stick on that point so i'm like i'm not going to leave like that so if i'm going to leave i'm going to be it's going to be totally my decision completely my decision i'm not going to talk to anybody else about it except i ended up talking to this person who was key actually yep very key to talk yep. to because otherwise it just would have been going in my own head and exactly I I don't think I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it out if that would have been the case. That is interesting. Yeah. That yeah. is interesting. I actually will push back a little bit because I think your headspace was getting to a place where it was going to be kind of, um, it, that was going to be the conclusion no matter what, but it, but the time factor, Yeah. you know, it took yeah. me years Yeah. and you know, from first, what the fuck? Yeah. It was 10 years. Oh my God. Until I got out. I mean, I was right. saying what the fuck from the the day I walked, the day I started at the Sea Org practically. I was saying, what have I gotten into? Yeah. Okay. And just kind of roll with it. But I rolled with it a little bit too long. 
Well, I, you know, I, yeah, that's the thing is I've, I, and I, and I'm a slow learner. <laughs> I'm just, I am horrible when I'm, well, the truth is I was really, very, 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 very committed to this cause. And I, yeah. and I really bought yeah, into all the too. bullshit yeah. about how it's your responsibility. Yeah. Right. And if you're failing, it's on you, yeah. and, you know, fuck you very much. Right. Figure your shit out. And I just kind of rolled with that yeah. for a long, long time. And it wasn't until. Uh, it took an RPF to, to to break me of that thinking, but that was not the intended consequence yeah. or product of the RPF. Right. That's why I'm an overt product of the <laughs> RPF. Hi, Osa. I don't know. I, 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 I'm not an overt product of anything. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's 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 what you they told me. Don't have anything against that's, me. That's what they told me. I, you're you're an overt product of your RPF. Yeah. Wow. I fuck you very much. Well, it doesn't exist so. anymore. So what are you supposed to do about that? Yeah, exactly. Put me back on it. Um, okay. So we're wrapping up tonight. Yeah. All right, guys. So with all of that, I hope that you have enjoyed this very complete uh, second part. We got a lot here for you. And um, and this has been an amazing story. And uh, I mean, really, it's, <laughs> it's been quite something. So and impressive, you know, because the thing is that once... I, you know, I think we're showing so many things that we've talked about over the years here in terms of once the dam starts breaking, once the critical thinking, it, it can can get back in there yeah. and get going, you yeah. know, because there's just years where we just really weren't thinking. Yeah. We were just right. complying. Yeah. You just kind of roll with it. Yeah. And you just put up with shit. And you, and you keep thinking that things are going to get better. Exactly. You're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the thing. Things are going to get better. And then... Maybe it's a little, like, a little bit better for a little while, then it it's just sucks again. That's right. And I think, I, I think in a way, having been on staff and the Sea Org through um, the new Pro-TRs back in the ni- back in 1990, Key to Life, yeah. I was a delivery guy for that. That was supposed to change the planet. Uh, the new era of management, the golden age of tech, the golden age of knowledge, right? Uh, golden age of knowledge part two. Uh, you know, blah, 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 like uh, ideal orgs. Yeah. And ideal orgs was the last straw for me because this has been, you know, failed program after failed program after failed, meaning this was supposed to be the big release that was going to blow the socks off everybody and change Scientology forever. And the whole world was going to come knocking on our door and nothing ever produced that result. Yeah. So they do a big grand opening and there's a bunch of people in there for like a day and then everybody's gone and it's... It's the same size it was when you started. It's just got, they have a big building that they have to take care of now. Exactly. With like one staff member per square mile or something. You know? <laughs> That's right. I, I was thinking of Valley actually specifically. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, Valley was just oh this monstrosity of a building. Yeah. I remember when they got that building yeah. and it was just like, you're going to do what? Yeah. I mean, because Valley was as podunk as it yeah. comes, right? This is San Fernando Valley in California. Yeah. It's actually one of the closest orgs to the, to the management yeah. units out there and, it's just it's like nothing pathetic yeah. place. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway, so we're going on and on here. Yeah. So we will, um, <laughs> we will be wrapping this up, uh, next week. We're going to get this thing done and somehow, <laughs> some way we're going to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and we will finish up your story. Already. All right, guys. Thanks for coming around and watching this. And of course, if you're finding the show entertaining, informative, and educational, then consider supporting the channel through Patreon, Venmo, PayPal, etc. Thanks guys. <laughs> See you next week. Bye-bye.